0: Hey, it's Finn, and if you've been listening to 680 for long, you know that I'm a big fan of Audi Atlanta. That's where I got my Audi Q8 e-tron, which I absolutely love. And it's the only dealership I would recommend to my friends and my family. And here's why. For one, Audi Atlanta has a great selection of luxury vehicles. They helped me find the exact SUV I was looking for, and the purchase was super easy. A fully transparent experience catered to me. The same experience they provide all their customers And here's one more reason that makes Audi Atlanta so special. During the month of April, Audi Atlanta will make a donation to Enduring Hearts for every vehicle sold. Thanks to the efforts of Enduring Hearts, children with heart transplants are living longer and healthier lives. Get the Audi you've always wanted while supporting a great cause. To learn more about Enduring Hearts and to view our current specials, visit AudiAtlanta.com to start or complete your entire purchase online. Or shop Audi Atlanta in person like I did on Peachtree Boulevard just inside the perimeter. Together, we have the power to make positive changes that could last a lifetime welcome to next on the t with chris mascaro where tour players legends and the top instructors in the game share their stories insights and playing lessons join chris every week as he talks with the greats of the game
1: you are the smartest guy i've spoken to on radio or television in my career
3: Good evening, folks, and welcome to this week's edition of Next on the T. I'm your host, Chris Mascaro. And as we reach hump day, I hope your week is going really, really well for you. I've got a wonderful show lineup in store for you this week. We're going to start things off like we do every other week with our resident director of instruction, Tom Patrick. Tonight, T.P. and I will discuss whether, as golf fans, we have gone mad. We all saw the scene at the Wasted Management Open. Then we saw Charlie Woods dealing with unruly fans when he was trying to go through and pre-qualify for this week's Cognizant Classic. And then we had the unfortunate incident at the Duke-Wake Forest basketball game when Wake Forest fans stormed the court and one of the players actually ended up getting injured. So do we need to rein things in, or are these isolated incidents? We'll hear what Tom thinks about that. Plus, we'll discuss Anthony Kim. There's been an Anthony Kim sighting. He's going to return to professional golf. boy. Having AK back, isn't that going to be great? Or is it not because it's going to be on the Live Tour? We'll talk about all these things and a lot more when TP joins me here in just a few minutes. Following him, I'm going to get a visit from one of the most decorated and well-respected PGA professionals in the history of our game. And that is John Kennedy. John has been a leader up in the Metropolitan section for many years. He's won several national and local awards for the great things he's doing for the game. Plus, for our military veterans, really want to get in on that. He won the Patriot Award not that long ago, so we'll talk about all of those things. Plus, he also had to put up with Tom Patrick for many years, so you know he must be a saint. Looking forward to having John as part of the show. He'll join me about 25 minutes from now. Following him, I'm going to be joined by another one of the top 100 instructors in our game, and a guy I got to spend some time with down at the PJ Merchandise Show this year, and that's Martin Chuck. Martin grew up shagging balls for Mo Norman. Plus, taking lessons from George Newton, one of the legends in our game. So we'll hear about those things. Plus, we'll discuss his instructional videos and some of the great training aids that he's come up with that players like Justin Rose and Rory McIlroy have been seen using out on the practice range. Looking forward to having Martin as part of the show tonight. He'll join me about 45 minutes from now. And then we're going to round things out with a visit from a guy I've known since I started doing podcasts back in 2011. We started doing podcasts together as part of the same group and that is Chris Mitchell. Chris is one of the most knowledgeable fantasy sports guys out there, regardless of what the sport is. He's written and recorded podcasts for several fantasy sports sites. He's about to start writing for NewEngland.golf. He is all over Cape Cod Golf. He's also going to be joining me tonight fresh off the beaches down in Anguilla. So very much looking forward and thankful that Chris is going to be a part of tonight's show. He'll join me about an hour from now. So, folks, as always, we're going to have a lot of fun tonight. And I can't thank you enough for tuning in and making Next on the Tee a part of your golf content and taking the journey with me again this week. Folks, I couldn't be more excited to announce a new sponsor joining Next on the Tee, a product that I've literally known about my whole life and been drinking since I was 21 years old, of course. And that is the Pittsburgh Brewing Company and Iron City Beer. Whether you're a hacker or a scratcher, The secret to a successful day on the Lynx is knowing when it's time to grab an iron, even if that means keeping it in the bag till the 19th hole. If it's been a while since you've reached for Pittsburgh staple beer, it's time to revisit Iron City. Thanks to their incredible new facility in Creighton, the best tasting Iron City beer ever made is now available at a course near you. Iron City pairs well with any lie and sky and serves as a friendly reminder that there's always next round. Iron City beer. Best enjoyed while enjoying life. Before we get started, and like I've been saying to you guys for the last several months, our resident director of instruction, Tom Patry, and I have been working with a company called Kickpoint, and they have done some magical things with our logos and created some polo shirts with some wonderful designs where they take our logos and turn them into designs on a polo shirt. They're absolutely outstanding. Kickpoint Golf is a private label custom golf apparel company making bespoke. Polo shirts, quarter zips, and hoodies for those selected clubs looking to take their branded game to a whole new level. If you want to check out their apparel, and again, it's going to knock your socks off, send an email to info at kickpointgolf.com. They'll get right back to you. There's no middleman. They're going to go right to the guys that do this work. You're going to check it out, and you are really going to love what they do. I'm going to start showing the uh, polo shirts that they designed for me on my Instagram, at CT Mascaro. Check them out there. So you can get a sample of what they look like. These guys know where it's at. Now let's talk about golf getaways and buddies trip locations. When you're thinking about that, think about our friends over at the Mclemore, which is a wonderful resort located just south of Chattanooga, Tennessee, high atop Lookout Mountain. It is a casual two-hour drive from Atlanta, Nashville, and Birmingham. The existing Highlands course is now ranked in the top 100 courses you can play in the U.S. by Golf Digest. The 18th hole is ranked in the top 10 finishing holes in the world a second course the keep is under construction and will open summer of 2024 the keep is a bill bergen reese jones design and features a mile and a half of dramatic cliff edge with every inch of that edge filled up with a golf hole a world-class hotel cloudland lookout mountain curio collection by hilton will open spring of 2024 Both have incredible views into historic Macklemore Cove, 1,200 feet below. You got to see it to believe it, folks. Stay, dine, and play golf above the clouds at Macklemore. Go online to macklemore.com to book your stay and play package. Now let's talk about the new P790 irons from TaylorMade. From the very beginning, P790 irons have been rooted in clean aesthetics and thoughtful design. However, their true beauty is found beneath the surface. With AI-optimized weighting and Speed foam air on the inside, every iron is uniquely designed to perform exactly how you need it to. As striking as they are on the outside, their true beauty lies within. Learn more about the new P790 irons from TaylorMade by checking out their website at TaylorMadeGolf.com. All right, now back with us is our resident director of instruction, Tom Patry. T.P. is out there improving swings and short games for the folks at Twin Eagles Club in Naples, Florida. He is a 13-time Golf Magazine Top 100 teacher, a four-time PGA Teacher of the Year, a three-time Golf Digest Best in the state, including their most recent December 2023 and January 2024 edition. And he is back. So hide to women and children, because here he is with me on Next on the Tee. Good evening, T.P. How are you, my friend?
1: Good <laughs> evening,
3: well, a few octaves up this week. You all right?
1: Yeah. My shorts are kind of tight right now.
3: <laughs> That's a little TMI for me. So yeah, yeah. All yeah. right, so let's get started because I, I want to start with what's got the entire golf world buzzing, Tom, and that is the buzzing, return buzzing, 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 of buzzing, buzzing. Anthony Kim. He is Anthony rumored Kim. to be in the field this week over mm-hmm. on the Live Tour. I know you're very excited about that. They're playing over in over in Saudi. This is going to be the first time we have seen him since he won the 2010 Houston Open. So tell me, how excited are you to watch that this weekend? Hello? (laughs) Oh, oh, come on now, you can't, Anthony. It's Anthony Kim, A.K. You got to be all excited.
1: So here's the deal. It's like it's like another clowns added to the circus, Chris. I mean, here we go. We got you know all the clowns are gathering in Saudi Arabia and this is one more clown for the show i mean listen the guy was a generational talent he was unbelievable he was i, I hate to say this he was almost tiger like when he was playing his best golf the guy was a phenomenal talent but how long has he been gone has he been gone a decade Yeah, is I mean, it, be... is it a decade now he's disappeared
3: Yep. Um, 12 years actually
1: right supposed wrist injury or thumb injury or some sort of injury that was insured or not insured or mysteriously insured by voids of london who <laughs> are we're reappearing are reappearing on the live tour with all the other clowns over there in saudi arabia with all those nice saudi folks that I, i'm so fond of yeah so right I'm, um listen the guy was I, I actually saw anthony play on several occasions live and pretty up close uh i remember the year we went to the president's cup denise and i out in san francisco freddie was captain and we uh had a lot of access during the practice rounds and you know you know inside the rope type thing and on the range and the first time I'd ever seen him really up close he was nothing short of phenomenal as far as talent, but listen he's he's kind of a bad boy which he fits in right with those other bad boys over there with Brooksy and with the Shambo and with you know Kepka and and all those other knuckleheads and, and Palter so you know all the more power to him but you know he is he he it was I don't know if he is. Uh, an extremely talented player you know a
3: decade is a long time to shake the rust off Chris you know a long time. So to that point and he played in a couple of charity tournaments back in 2016 but as recently as 2019 he's reported to have said his golf game is non-existent and his coach Adam Schreiber posted a couple of pictures of the two of them not all that long ago. And and said that 2021 was going to be a special year. That's kind of a cryptic message. Didn't really say anything else beyond that. But then again, nothing materialized in 2021, at least respect to Anthony Kim. And now he's going to be kind of a lone wolf this week. As you know, they play in teams on on Live Golf. But uh, he's getting sort of a special invitation to go play over there. But if if you're a betting man, if Tom Petrie was going to be a betting man, and it's a field of 54 players. Over under 27, do you think Anthony Kim ends up finishing?
1: Well, I got to I got I to gotta qualify this answer by saying rumor has it he's been playing a lot of golf and a lot of gambling matches in Vegas. We've both heard that. We talked about that off air. And if he has been playing a lot of you know matches in Vegas and he's been on the golf course quite a bit and he's been working at it, which his work ethic was always a little bit in question. Um, but if he has been doing that and he is sharp, he is so talented that the bottom half of the live field, which is Chris real. Let's face it. The bottom half of the least live fields is not exactly sterling. You know, um, there's a lot of guys bringing up the rear there. They're not exactly, you know, what I would call. What do you say? Starlets. Okay. We'll call him star. <laughs> um, and if he plays Anthony Kim golf, I would take the over on 20, the under, excuse me, on under on 27. Um, is that right? Yeah. Cause the bottom half of that field is, in his prime, and I, know, we're not in their prime now, but he, they right. couldn't shine. They couldn't shine his shoes in his prime. If he has been playing a lot of golf, he has been gambling, and he is, let's call him, gambling sharp. And listen, it's he's playing in an outing, Chris. He's playing in a 54-man outing. There's no cut. He's over in the Saudis. It's it, he's he's a yo boy. It's a big party atmosphere. The, the music's playing. It kind of fits his mo. He'll be pretty comfortable. You know, he's he's a free wheeler. I, I could I could see him finishing the top 25 i could see that happening it wouldn't it wouldn't shock me
3: so you you and i have talked and even on the show let alone uh, you know some of our other away from the show conversations that there is a difference between playing golf playing tournament golf and playing you, you can call whatever you want it's, it's not it's, they're not on the pga tour but they're pga tour players so let's for the sake of argument say there's, there's a difference in playing professional golf at that level so you think someone could come out of nowhere? Yeah, you're you're playing you're, even if you're playing big money games. You're playing 5 dollars nasas with the, you know high rollers there in Las Vegas. Can you transition that to playing in, a, in an event at that professional level like that and and come out and play top half? That seems let, let, that seems hard not, for me.
1: Let, let's not let's not confuse live golf with tournament golf. Okay, Chris, we've had this conversation before. <laughs>
3: Okay. So unfair. It's so <laughs> it's, unfair. It, it,
1: it's a Saudi party. Okay, they're gonna have a little party over there in Saudi Arabia. And Fifty-four guys got invited. And they're going to play golf, and the music's going to be blaring, and the cocktails going to be flowing, and it's not it's not tournament golf. Now, if you asked me if you put him in a PGA Tour event, okay, with a full field, elevated event, and you said to me, would he make the cut? I'd have to, I'd have to double back on this one. But we're not we're not playing in a full field. Elevated PJ Tour event. We're playing in a party in Saudi Arabia. Okay, Someone and you fair. know, how, yeah. Well, that's okay. That's you ask me a question. That's okay. You asked me a question. That's my <laughs> answer. You don't have to agree with me. I'm just telling you that you're wrong. Okay, there you go.
4: <laughs> so
3: let let let's project out a little bit with AK, right? Because you you mentioned the insurance policy, and and and, and none of us knows what that insurance policy is. It was rumored that he took out a $10 million insurance policy on himself back in the early part of the 2000s. He was injured in 2010 after winning the Houston Open. Didn't play the rest of that season. And then in June of 2012, he had surgery on his Achilles tendon. And that was it. Never played on the PGA Tour. Never seen or heard from again. Sightings of Anthony came over the years. Became like sightings of Bigfoot. People saw him everywhere, but then no one actually saw him. So let let's just say in order for him to play on the Live Tour, yes, or our mind had to pony up that $10 million back. And you and I both know that he's got that in his carrying around money in, in his wallet, right? $10 million, you need $10 million. All right, hang on a second. Let me like, grab my wallet. Here's one, two, three, and he just counts it out and that and now be on your way. Is this something that could resurrect his career if you will? Is this could this be the start of something?
1: Well, there's been so many rumors about. About the insurance policy, first of all, that we don't really know the answer. That was there a policy? Was there a policy? Did he get paid? Did he not get paid? Did he blow all the money? Did he, did he rifle through it is he broke? Does he need to do this? And are they giving him, you know, a way out? Which would make sense if that's if some of those things are true. Um, resurrect his career. Um, does he want to play? Does he have any passion anymore to play? Does he really give a shit about playing? Or is this just a this is just a money grab that's going to, you know, maybe circulate for a year or two. He's going to make a couple of bucks and get the hell out again and rifle through it again. He's not exactly what I would call a brain surgeon. I don't think uh, Harvard's going to be calling him anytime soon. And his self-discipline in the past has not been, you know, it's not been tiger-like, if, if you will. Um, so who knows? And, and, and he's playing on a special exemption. Does that mean he's a qualified member of the Live Tour full time? is just a one-time deal to see what happens. I, you know, I, I don't know the answer to that. And when he, would he give him ten million? Would he cover him for ten million just to play one event and whatever he makes, he makes. I, you know, who knows what the deal is? We don't. We don't know what any of these deals are. So that's that's kind of a hard question to answer.
3: Yeah, because obviously we're still waiting to see what happens between the PIF and the PGA Tour. Are there ongoing discussions? Will they ever come together? Starting to feel like the answer to that is no. But if they were, you know, let's just sort of play this thing out. If they were and they got back together and all that sort of thing and everybody sang kumbaya and Anthony Kim was around, now you, you got to wonder, now he's back on the PGA Tour or whatever the tour is that we're calling it at that point. It would just be interesting to me. I mean, obviously, we don't know what's going to happen this weekend. We'll see if, if he does, as you say, finish in the top half. But I think now you got to start you know asking yourself, hey, maybe this kid, can resurrect his career. It was so exciting, to your earlier point, what he was doing in the brief time that we got to have him out on the PGA Tour. Oh, if no he doubt. finishes in the top half, that could be exciting for the game.
1: No doubt. And, and Chris, let's, let's, but let's keep this in mind, too. I think from 12 years ago to present, if all these guys get back on one tour, all the guys from Live, listen, that are very talented people. The PGA Tour is a much deeper animal, talent-wise, than it was 12 years ago. So, where does he fit in with a twelve-year hiatus, going against really, really deep quality PGA Tour fields? And again, what's his passion like to play? I mean, you can't fake it on the PGA Tour if you put all these guys back in the same barrel. We, you know, we got a, a very deep set of talent now that, if they came back together, would be phenomenal. Um, you know, the Camp Smiths of the world weren't around when he played last. I mean. The Bryson DeChambeau's weren't around when he played last. Dustin Johnson was just, you know, just being hatched when he was around last. You know, so the, the, you know, Jordan Spieth and, uh, you know, and, and Justin Thomas weren't around when he was around last. So that's that's a that's a different ask. That's a much different ask.
3: All right. So let's switch gears a little bit. Enough of that. Enough of um- that. On the heels of what we saw this year at the uh, Wasted Management Open, we saw more (laughs) golf fans kind of acting poorly. And we saw more this past week when Charlie Woods, you mentioned Tiger a minute ago, when Charlie was out trying to play in a pre qualifier to this week's Cognizant Classic, previously the Honda Classic. And there are so many players trying to qualify for tournaments now that they actually have to have pre qualifiers to the qualifier. But Charlie Mm -hmm. goes out and he shoots 86. But along the way, He had to deal with people yelling and screaming at him. One lady wanted him to sign something as he's walking off the 13th green. When he didn't sign, she yelled at him, I live here. Like that's supposed to mean something. It's just, to me, Tom, it's just, we're we're getting out of control with how, how we're acting. You talk about on live and big party. And it's just, it's starting to feel like we're acting poorly. And some of what we've, what we're used to at a golf tournament, look, I'm all for people having a great time. And enjoying the golf and enjoying the players and enjoying themselves and the other fans or patrons out there. I I just feel like we're starting to lose a little control here.
1: Well, on the heels of the Wasted Management Classic or Open or whatever the hell it's called and what happened there. And on the heels of Charlie Woods and that incident with that lady, I live here. why don't you sign this for me? Uh, We also had court storming this week at at a Duke Wake Forest basketball game and a player get hurt. So to your point, Chris, it is out of hand, and and we, 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 the whole thing's out of hand. The whole world's spinning wildly out of control, and and this is just a microcosm. Sports are just a microcosm. What's going on on planet Earth right now? Um, it's it's way out of control. And, and to have a kid go out there, listen, he's Tiger Woods' son. I get it. He's he's a celebrity almost in his own right, at the ripe old age of whatever the hell he is right now, fifteen. Okay, fifteen. But for for an adult be screaming at a fifteen year old who's playing in a golf tournament because he's Tiger Woods' son. It's ridiculous. It's it's way out of control, and I agree with you hundred percent.
3: So Tom, let's take that a, a half a step further because Charlie's coming into this game obviously with a mountain of expectations. I mean you can't be Tiger Woods's son without right. having yeah. a mountain of expectations on you. I felt bad. I remember back in the in the seventies when Gary Nicholas was starting to play really well and he was on the cover of Sports Illustrated, the next Nicholas. You carry that name with you, you're going to have a mountain of expectation. But for Charlie, I mean, he's going to have to deal with these sorts of things. And we all remember the famous stories of Earl with Tiger and the screaming in his backswing and jiggling his, the coins in his pocket and doing everything he could to get into Tiger's head because he had to learn to block it out. It feels like Charlie's going to have that. It might have it squared because of the circus that followed Tiger around everywhere he went and still goes. Charlie just, it's just, it's, I feel badly for him. He's a 15-year-old kid. We can't even let the 15-year-old kid develop before we want to start giving him a hard time. It just seems so unfair.
1: I don't disagree with you on something, Chris. But I also think that as as a parent, I think Tiger will never admit this, but probably knows the shortcomings of Earl and how over-the-top Earl actually was and probably is a little bit more reasonable as a parent um, and a mentor uh, and a father and a, and a coach to Charlie than than Earl was to Tiger. It was I think I think Tiger probably handles Charlie a lot differently than Earl handled Tiger. Um, and I think you know in a reasonable conversation from father to son, I think Tiger probably has sat him down on more than one occasion and said, "Listen, this is coming at you, man. No matter what you do, this is going to come at you this way, and you kind of got to be ready. For, you got to kind of be ready for this." So, um. Not fair, I agree. Some of the behavior of these adults and, and people on the sidelines is just unbelievable. But I think he's got somebody behind him that really sit him down and guide him through this, uh, these rocky waters a lot better than maybe Earl did with Tiger in that sense.
3: Speaking of Tiger, and we saw him obviously a couple of weeks ago at the Genesis Invitational where he was the host. We got one round of 73, one over par, and then a, a withdrawal after six holes in the second round. Back at the Hero World Challenge, he said he wanted to play once a month this year. Then the bigger events sort of line up that way. If he sticks to that, that means he's probably going to play again in March at the Players, but probably not at the Arnold Palmer Invitational. I can't imagine he's going to play back-to-back weeks. But talk about the walks. If If Tiger was to look at it, obviously the Players is one of the best fields in golf. But if you're setting yourself up to play one time in the month of March, Based on the walks at the Arnold Palmer Invitational versus the walk at the Players, which one are you choosing?
1: Well, you definitely well, you going to the Players for a couple of different reasons. Uh, TPC is flatter than Bay Hill. Bay Hill has some has a little bit up and down in it, you know, not much, but a little bit. Uh, TPC is definitely a, a flatter walk, and it's it's definitely a, a bigger event. I mean, you know, it's, I think it's the fourth major. I think the PGA is behind, quite frankly. But um, wow. I definitely feel, I've always felt that way. It's, it's the best field in golf. It's, you know, I think the PGA, I don't even want to get into that. My, my, my PGA brethren listening will be ringing my bell all night long on that one, but that's a whole different, that's a whole different conversation. I think you're going to definitely go to the players. My question to you is when was the last time you finished a golf tournament? Right.
3: right.
1: How many times are we going to see this expectation and we don't even get through 33, 30 holes, 30 holes. We don't even finish two rounds of golf, you know? Right. It's, it's ridiculous. You know, so, I mean, when is, and, and, and by the way, there's no give up in the guy. We know that. But when is enough enough?
3: You
1: know, when when, it, when does it stop?
3: Right. Well, I mean, to your point, I mean, we saw him at the Hero World Challenge, another one of his events, if you will, and he finished, he did finish the golf tournament, but he finished 18th out of 20 players. We haven't seen him finish really anywhere, in even sniffing contention in no. years since since the Masters. When he when he pulled that off in 2019, and I guess that begs the question back to you: What are your expectations for Tiger, whether it's this year, next year? We we know he can play out on the Champions Tour. He'll be 50 in in, in 2026. But what are your expectations for him?
1: Well, you know, Chris, I I, I just think it's I, I think you know he he moves the needle as as a, as a personality. And as, and as a superstar, just like Michael Jordan moves the needle. Michael Jordan is, what he's 57 years old, 58 years old, and he still moves the needle. Um, tiger will always move the needle from a media standpoint, but from a competitive standpoint, that that body is so battered, it's unbelievable. I mean, I'm going to go back to what I said to you. When was the last time we saw him finish 72 holes? I don't, I don't have it right in front of me, but. It's, it seems like he plays 30 holes and he's, he's in a cart driving in every time we see him. So how, how high can our expectations be? Right. The difference, the difference when he turns 50 is he can get in a cart. Right. And he can, and he can play, you know, 54 holes, not 72 holes on different, on different types of golf courses in a cart. So could he be competitive as a senior? Yeah, I would think so. I would think he could, but he, he Chris, can you see him walking a five rounds this, this, this April? No, no. Neither can I. And I think he knows that in his heart. I mean, it would have to be an extraordinary accomplishment to make a cut and, and play a practice round in four rounds
3: there. Right. Well, we saw him, you know, he made the cut last year. I think he made it on the number, but then he had to withdraw in the third round. But then he had to
1: withdraw. He didn't finish 72 holes, yeah. right?
3: Right. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Tom, this past week, We had a a wonderful story at the Mexico Open, which was won by Jake Knapp, who was a bouncer. Oh, by the way, not all that long ago. His grandfather passed away last April. He has a tattoo of his grandfather's initials on his left arm so he can see it at his setup and when he's taking his backswing. Still sends him text messages after every round. He goes out and shoots 63, the low round of the day on Saturday. Tied for the low round of the day. His 28 on the front nine was unbelievable he birdied seven of the nine holes there 19 underscore was the tied for the 54 hole scoring record there uh he had a four-stroke lead going into the final round at one by two tremendous story for this kid what do you think about what you saw from him
1: well i I think that the resiliency in the last round when he clearly didn't have his best stuff was pretty incredible i got to watch on 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 sunday um i thought you know the way he he drove it all over the Planet on sunday uh literally literally all over the planet and he hung so tough it was pretty impressive i thought um you know he, he's he's got that long flowing golf swing it's a very very time-based golf swing he's got a lot of looseness to the at top but he's got tremendous rhythm and tempo he reminds me a little bit of freddie in the sense that the way he swings the golf club around his body he's very strong and powerful uh he seemed you know even in in a tough situation on Sunday when he really didn't have his best stuff. He stayed pretty cool. He had a pretty nice short game where he got up and down quite a few times, and made a bunch of six footers and eight footers to keep himself moving. So I thought it was pretty impressive. And and the whole grandfather thing and the tattoo and the texting him, even when he's passed is in a cool way, kind of spooky. Um, uh, You know, he obviously has got a big heart. So how can you not be a fan of that? I mean, really?
3: Tom, as we head into the Florida swing, one of the players on PGA Tour.com that they say needs to have a big Florida swing is Ricky Fowler because he's missed the cut in two full-field events that he's played in so far this season, and he hasn't carded a top 30 in any of the first three signature events. I think we all got excited about the return of Ricky Fowler last year and his time working with Butch. Do you think is there any sense of urgency? I mean, it's so early in the season, but do you think there's a sense of urgency with Ricky?
1: No, not yet. I think it's too early. I think uh, let's get through Florida. Let's get through, you know, Honda. Let's get through Bay Hill. Let's get through TPC and and Valspar. and then we'll take an accounting and have this discussion at a later date. Now, I wouldn't be overly concerned yet. I mean, um, a little bit of a slow start, but you know, he's a streaker, you know. And I think that if you look at PGA Tour players put aside people who are in big slumps, you know, they make 80% of their money in 20% of their events. Um, and that's just the way it is. If you just look at this statistically, they make 80% of their money in 20% of their events. So what they do is they get on a streak for four or five weeks and they kill it. And then they kind of fade a little bit and they might be back later on in the year. So I, 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 don't, I don't think it's time to put your hand on the finger on the panic button
3: yet. One of the other players they mentioned is a guy that uh, you were telling me about that you were excited to see what he would do last season and going into this season, and that is Pearson Cootie. He has not gotten off to a no. really good start, and he, they, he's pretty much a streaky player. He's either really good or really bad. What are your thoughts on, on uh, Pearson's game?
1: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I've been watching that pretty closely, and I agree with you. Chris. I mean, actually, Parker Cootie, his brother, who really wasn't very good on Corn Ferry, but snuck in, um, wasn't nearly as good as his brother. And he, and he's played pretty well. And and uh, Pearson's not played very well at all. So, uh, yeah, not well at all, as you said. So, again, a little early in the year, not time to push the panic button yet. But, uh, yeah, he's he's kind of been very flat so far.
3: Tom, one more before I let you go, and want to get a playing lesson from you on the putting green. And curious to get your thoughts. I don't know that you and I have actually ever talked about it before. And the putting stroke. Are you a forward press guy or no?
1: No, I, I have. I've always had a little bit of a forward press. Chris, start my backstroke as a trigger. Um, I think you got to be very careful with both the size of the press and the way you press. There, are, I went through a streak in college when I was missing a lot of putts, just right edge putts, uh, right edge wide. And uh, when I, when I I got a, a big, a huge putting lesson uh, to help me straighten that out uh, by Buddy Alexander, who you know was a was former coach at the University of Florida, fine player, and self-Us amateur champion, and he detected that I was forward pressing and I was pressing the blade slightly open, pressing the heel past the toe a little bit, not pressing it square. So you got to be very careful with that press. That you, when you press it forward, you maintain a square face. That you don't kind of gradually kind of or very slightly push that face open a little bit with that press, uh, and get the point the face pointing just ever so slightly to the right. Um, so yeah, I, I'm a forward press guy as a trigger, but it's an, always a very quiet press. And I'm very cognizant now when I press it that that the the face remains square into the press.
3: Tom, as you know, my next two guests tonight following you immediately is going to be John Kennedy. And then after him is Martin Chuck, two people that I know you're very fond of.
1: Yeah, Martin Chuck is, um, I think, one of the very, very most talented teachers in in the country right now, if not in the world. Uh, Martin's a friend. Uh, we, we exchanged uh, notes every now and then we're on opposite sides of the country but i think the world of him he's a really talented communicator um he has a wonderful background and spent time around the great george Newson, uh, which is maybe one of the great ball strikers of all time and side by side spent time around a guy named mo norman so he's got tremendous insight he's had tremendous mentoring from some really talented people he's developed his own style um a very good style, and one I like very much, I follow him closely myself. Uh, so he's a, he'll, he'll he'll be a great guest. And please tell him that I said hi. John Kennedy made Tom Patrick. N- 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 period. End this end the sentence. John he's Kennedy. He's to blame. He, he's to blame. So he, uh, I he let him me know up. about that. He gave me an opportunity uh, in my career when I was at a crossroads and I was finished playing and didn't know what I was going to do with my life. I really, literally, didn't know what I was going to do with my life. <laughs> And he had some confidence in my ability to possibly teach the game, and I got to tell you i was i was i, I, I got to tell you, I was pretty horrible the first couple of years I did what I'm doing right now, but he had faith in me, hung in there with me. Uh, I worked from a Cold Spring Country Club for a year as a teaching assistant um, went on to my own job for a couple of years, and then uh, he very very uh, graciously invited me to be his director of instructor at Westchester Country Club, and I was probably severely underqualified for that position he gave me a blank slate and said go go develop something and 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 turn this into something and he and he just you know basically gave me a blank canvas and said make this happen um it was an unbelievable opportunity at one of the great great clubs in America Westchester Country Club which was at the time the host of the Buick Classic um who gives somebody an opportunity like that at a venue like that at you know 29 or 30 years old That Really, really, truthfully, at that time, underqualified. It opened unbelievable doors for me. He helped those doors open. Um, that led to a relationship with Bill Strausbaugh later on. That 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 you know helped me blossom as a teacher and, and opened even more doors to great teaching minds all over the country that I got it you know exposed to through those two gentlemen. So John Kennedy is uh, is one of my dearest friends in the world. Somebody that I owe so much to. Um, and I, I could never even close to possibly repay him for what he did. for me.
3: Tom, before I let you go, remind our listeners, how can they stay up to date with all the great things Tom Patrick is out there doing, whether they're going on your website or they're following you on social media?
1: It, Chris, all the regular places, you know, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn. Uh, my website is TomPatrick.com. And of course, uh, my home is here at Twin Eagles now in Naples, where I'm so happy to be! It's it's been a it's been a godsend uh, job opportunity, career opportunity from here at a great great club in, in a great town. Um, but my favorite place to be found is on Tuesday nights with you, pal. And what is the show nine thousand four hundred thirty-eight or something like that?
3: <laughs> you know, Feels that way, doesn't it? It does, it
1: does feel that way. Yeah, I, you,
3: you'll, be, you'll be throwing me off here soon if you're any sense at all.
1: But I appreciate being with us every week. And please give Martin and John my very best. um They're they're incredible people and. Uh, John Kennedy is, uh, is one of my favorite people on the planet. I love him very much. And please, uh, please give my best, Chris.
3: I absolutely will. You're the best, my friend. I can't thank you enough for, for being on this show now. 94 times. And, 94 uh, times. 94 times. That's crazy. It is crazy. I can't thank you enough, my friend. You're the best. I love you. We'll catch up Thanks, again Tom. in a couple of weeks.
1: Thanks, Chris. Peace.
3: See you, Tom. As always, that is the great Tom Patry. Again, you can find him on his website, TomPatry.com or at TomPatryGolf on Instagram. Be sure to subscribe to his YouTube channel. Get those free lessons, folks. They're fantastic. And as I always say, they just don't come better than that guy. A great instructor, a great guest, and an even better friend. Can't wait to catch up with him again in a couple of weeks. Coming up next is going to be one of the most decorated and well respected PGA professionals in the history of our game, and that is John Kennedy. Before I get to John, I was talking with Eddie Dry, VP of Domestic Sales for Strixon Cleveland Golf, at the PGA Merchandise Show earlier this year, and I said, Eddie, I like your CBX full face wedges. How can they help an average player like me play better? Here's what he had to say
5: An average player, I use one, and I'm in some lies that you can't even believe, and I need all the help I can get. And the face is bigger, and the grooves go all the way up and all the way out to the toe. So if you hit it on the toe, you miss it, bam, there's a groove. So I like that. So I carry a 58.
3: There you have it, folks. Try the new CBX full-face wedges from Cleveland Golf. I also want to give a shout-out to my friends over at On Point Golf and their great On Point ball marker. Get the number one ball marker in the game of golf. On Point is the only three-dimensional ball marker out there with alignment technology and a removable coin that is approved to use according to the rules of golf. As you know, putting is all about line and pace. Mark your ball with On Point, engage with your three-dimensional ball marker, and have more confidence in your line, execute the putt, and you're going to lower your scores. Do what the likes of Jim Furyk pga professionals and amateurs alike are doing now they use the number one ball marker in golf and they lower their scores you know ken duke and thong chai jd they won for the first time on the pga tour in 2023 and they were using an on-point ball marker get yours at onpointgolf.us and make more putts and oh by the way you can also customize the removable coin for any club event or corporate outing they make really great tea gifts and custom products that's also going to help lower your score. I use on-point ball markers. Mine is black and gold, 3D black golf ball with a gold line down the middle to help me line up my putts. It's like having a 15th club in my bag. It's helped my game. Why wouldn't you let it help yours? Again, onpointgolf.us. See what I'm talking about. Order yours today. Now let's talk grips. I want to tell you about Lampkin grips. Every shot, as you know, has its own unique feel. The trick? Feel comfortable with each one. And comfort is built into the very DNA of Sonar Plus Black Grips. Composed of their Genesis material that provides supreme comfort and durability, with their fingerprint technology, creates a strong connection and unforgettable touch. The game changes from shot to shot. The feel on your hand shouldn't. Lampkin. Feel is everything. Okay, now making his next On the tee debut with me is John Kennedy. John is a three-time National PGA Award winner, including the Horton Smith Award three times, once nationally and twice by the Metropolitan Section, for his contributions to PGA education. In 2012, he earned the Patriot Award for his service to the military and our veterans. In 2017, he received the Bill Strasbaugh Award nationally, plus he received it two more times by the Met Section, for his mentorship of over 100 PGA professionals, including my man Tom Patry. He's been named Merchandiser of the Year twice by the Met section, and in 1997, they named him the PGA Professional of the Year. He's been a director of golf in our game for many years, starting out back in 1981 at Cold Spring Country Club in Cold Spring, New York. He moved on to Westchester Country Club in 1991, and then on to his own golf consulting company in 2017. In 2014, Westchester named their golf learning center in his honor And in 2020, he was inducted into the Met Section Hall of Fame. He's written a couple of books, Tales from the Lesson Tee, How to Know Your Game, Know Yourself, and Play Better Without Changing Your Swing, and You Can Do It, A Path to Improvement in Golf and Life. And I couldn't be more honored. I get to have him with me this week here on Next on the Tee. Hey, John, thanks for joining me.
2: Nice to talk to you.
3: Same here. So, John, you spent over 25 years as the Director of Instruction at Westchester Country Club. Some of that time was with Tom Patrick in tow. I got to get from you. What's your favorite Tom Patrick story?
2: Oh, boy. He, you know, he's such a quality uh, instructor and, and a good friend. But uh, Tom loves to talk. And, you know, to his benefit, he's one of the most loyal friends you could have. He always stays in touch with his friends and reaches out to them. But uh, when I first hired him at Cold Spring, and this is before you had uh, cell phones and you know, you paid by the minute on phones. So uh, one day I came in, he uh, he was in my office and he said, it'd be okay if I use your phone. I said, Tom, you're working for me. My phone is your phone. That was an expensive mistake.
3: <laughs> <laughs> That's beautiful. Not hard to imagine either, by the way.
2: <laughs> no, but he's, uh, like I say, very loyal. Always, uh, always there for the people he cares about.
3: <laughs> Indeed. So, John, Westchester Country Club has got a rich history in our game going back over 100 years now. And in the 60s, it hosted the Thunderbird Classic, which Arnold Palmer and Jack Nicklaus won two of the first three of those tournaments. It became the Westchester Classic and later the Barclays. Plus, you got the 2011 Senior Players Championship and the 2015 KPMG Women's PGA Championship all played there. Talk about the rich history that that club has seen.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, it's a Walter Travis course, which for golf fans, he's one of the remnant architects and um, little-known story, which I think is is great for the history of golf, is uh, one of the first assistants at Westchester, and it opened in 1922, and the first golf pro was Colbert Butchart, who was a Scotsman, as many of the golf pros in America were in those days, Um, and Tommy Armour came to work for him at the club. So in 1927, the U.S. Open was at Oakmont. And who did Tommy Armour beat in a playoff for the U.S. Open in 1927? But Light horse Harry Cooper, who when we went in the 90s, uh, Harry Cooper was on our team and he actually taught at Westchester for our first six years. So talk about some history of golf. That's, that's pretty impressive. Yes, it is.
3: I should have asked Tom Patrick this because he was probably there. But I read in October of 1922, the club hosted the Golf Championship of the World, a 72-hole contest between Walter Hagen and Gene Sarazen. They played the first round, speaking of Oakmont. They, took, they played that first round there, then took an overnight train to New York. Sarazen came from behind to beat Hagen 3-2 and in their 36-hole match. He collects the winner's check of $2,000 and then went to St. Luke's Hospital in Yonkers to have an emergency appendectomy. That's got to live in the club's lore.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah. And Walter Hagen actually, if you read Walter Higgins autobiography, he actually talks about winning the British Open and uh, spending what little, I don't know how much first place was in the British Open in the 20s. But whatever money he had, he spent on his uh, trip coming back celebrating. He said, I could barely afford my uh, cab fare back to the club at Westchester Country <laughs> Club. So <laughs> Yes, yeah, so a lot of a lot of a lot of uh a lot of good players and a lot of interesting characters uh played that golf course and lived in that hotel.
3: You got to host, I believe it's eighteen PGA tour events during your time there, plus that inaugural KPMG Women's PGA championship. What was it like <laughs> for you? What was it like being on the inside, trying to make all the preparations you gotta do and everything you've gotta put together to host a tour event or a major over on the LPGA side? What was that like for you trying to deal with all that, get all that stuff in order and then sit back and watch those events come through?
2: Yeah, well, you know, it, I've said this before and it kind of surprises people, but actually uh, classic week, except for the long hours. So you're up, you know, three in the morning and you're really not getting to bed till 11 or 12 o'clock at night. But. It was pretty much a one directional uh, operation because you knew how the week was going to go, save the weather. If sometimes you'd have to have weather delays and scramble a little bit uh, for in terms of getting course preparation and little mini shotguns with players going out and so forth. But being at Westchester Country Club was so multi directional on a regular basis that you I mean, you knew it was coming, but it was nothing like tour week. Tour week is pretty much OK. You had your am on Monday practice around Tuesday, pro on Wednesday, and then the, the events on Thursday through Sunday. So you're working with the tour um, to prep for all the events, but it was pretty one-directional. So except for the long hours and having extra staff, um, it really wasn't as difficult mentally for me as the as typical week at the club, which sounds kind of weird.
3: So, yeah, to that end, Does it ramp up at all? Does it make it different at all when you've got a major coming like the senior players championship or the women's PGA championship, or is it really the preparations are all roughly the same?
2: Yeah. I mean, the, you know, our last uh, PGA tour event before the players was the uh, 2007 Barclays. So that was the first FedEx event because uh, the chairman of uh, Barclays was a member at the club and he made an agreement with Tim Fincham to actually launch, to, Double the person launched the uh, FedEx Cup, so it was launched at Westchester Country Club. So that was probably a bigger event for me. Um, but the uh, the players and ladies were, um, you know, it's just a matter of working with the TV partners and getting them on board because um, we had been with CBS for so long with the with the Buick Classic, and then it switched over to NBC for the players, and they also did the uh, KPMG. But as it turned out, we actually had the uh, a lot of the n b c people were members of the club too so um yeah it it was uh you yeah, know it was exciting to have the event all the events at the club and um the members were were very happy to to do it um as as you know and most of the people who follow golf a big component of pga tour events is a charity so the uh the beneficiary of the of the tournament um was local uh, hospitals in westchester county and uh, particularly United Hospital, which was in porchester doesn't exist anymore so you had the member component they were very excited they they very got very engaged with volunteering and um and then you had you know dealing with the players who were you know by and large you know great people um you know they didn't interact a lot with the with the golf staff, but occasionally you had some people who were very uh gracious and and very respectful for. The work that the staff did so um yeah so it was it, no question it was very exciting and, and very um very fulfilling as a professional to be able to put something like that together um obviously the the tournament side was run by the pga tour staff
3: nb park won that women's pga and she did so by five strokes at 19 under par lexi thompson finished third a 17 year old brooke henderson finished tied for fifth with morgan Pressel. i heard that those scores that they shot We're far better than you guys anticipated. Is that right?
2: Yeah. I, I remember before the tournament started, I was out on the golf course with the, uh, with our uh, superintendent. I said, I think the way you've got this course set up, I think it's going to be around even par. And I was shocked. I was shocked. Um, I I didn't appreciate how far they hit the ball. Um, And, you know, I hadn't spent a lot of time on, watching lpg i watched it on tv but not in person so i didn't have an appreciation and uh you know i've been through so many Bio classics and you know they they didn't have the greens at 13 like we did with the with the pga tour but they probably were 11 and with the undulations we have in those walter travis greens that's very very challenging so i was you know they didn't the the players who played good hit it in the fairway and you know the fairways were firm so they got some run out but they hit it a lot further, and so they weren't hitting. I thought they were going to hit hybrids into almost all the par fours, save a couple, and uh that wasn't the case. With the, I know M.B. Park, who, you know, won the tournament. She definitely hit shorter shots into the green, and she's a, a great putter. So that combination really led to a much lower score than I expected.
3: John, I have to imagine that over the years you had a lot of great players and celebrities come to play there. Who are some of the people that you got to see? And maybe even got to tee it up with.
2: Oh, well, I mean, you know, when, when you talk about uh, the tour players, you know, you're right. Pretty much everybody played. Now it was when I went 90, that was after obviously Jack Nicklaus's career. So we didn't get to see him. But, you know, Ernie Els was uh, a multi winner and he was one of the guys who really was, you know, spend time with the staff. And was and You know, I think something about South Africans and Australians, I always felt like their sense of sport was just something special. They just really were just very low, you know, very relaxed about it and really enjoyed the whole the whole sport of the game and, and it really came through. Um but you know, you you obviously spent time with, with celebrities who would come up and play because it was one of the bigger private clubs outside New York City. So oof, you know, you think of some of the uh they filmed a uh a, a spot for um what was it the uh with uh Pierce Brosnan. He did a, a a bunker uh scene for the uh Thomas Crown affair and uh Will Smith. Um a lot of athletes, a lot of uh, Yankees, um, some New York Rangers. Um yeah, so you, you had exposure to a lot of a lot of people. But I, I always said about Westchester, which is interesting because it was so big, that you could be as uh, as involved as you want to be or as invisible as you wanted to be if you were a club member. And most clubs are, you know, 300 members for 18 holes. Westchester had 1,300 families. So it was pretty easy to get lost if you wanted to get lost. So it was, uh, there were a lot of powerful people that a lot of people didn't even know were there.
3: John, switching gears a little bit. The Met section has produced so many great players and PGA professionals. Who were some of the great young PGA professionals that you got to work with along the way?
2: Oof, well, um, you know, I was fortunate because I, I um, you know, I worked at Sleeping Hollow for a gentleman named Tommy Murphy, who, you know, wasn't a great player at the time I worked for him, but he had actually apprenticed under Jack grout at Sciota, so he saw Jack Nicholas grow up, um, and he was one of my mentors for sure. Um, and uh, you know, in the Met section, you were just—I I always said that the thing about the Met section is because the standards were high, the expectations were high, so if you were going to be a an instructor at a at a good private club, you really had to be pretty skilled or you're going to be found out. And same thing as running an operation. So I, you know, all the people that preceded me in the Met section, whether it be Gene Boric or uh Jerry Coates or Roy Pace, um, Bob Joyce, um, some just great professional. And then Bruce Ibriski worked on our team for four years after he was uh had finished playing full time. He came from Wingfoot to work at Westchester before he became a head professional. And he won uh, three of the four years he was with us. He won uh, National PGA Player of the Year. And that award has never been won twice by any one person. And Bruce won it five times. Wow. (laughs) I know. I know. Staggering.
3: John, I had Russ Holden on the show last week. And he's done so much great work for our military veterans over the years through his Caddy for a Cure program and now Inspiring Warriors Golf. And you won the Patriot Award for your contributions to the things that you have done for our military veterans talk about why helping our veterans became so important to you
2: Mm, yeah well it um you know i think uh, as americans we all hopefully all have respect for the military and what they they offer to us but it was right after the uh the barclays um so 2007 to 2008 i had a member come to me and said he had a nephew who was a captain in baghdad and um he said, Do you have any product left over from the event? And if you remember, that was the event that Tiger had to withdraw because his wife was having her first child. Um, and he didn't withdraw till Friday. So I had a lot of lot of things. And I said, No, I'll tell you what, we're gonna we'll do it together as a team. So we sent a lot of product over to Germany where a lot of the the injured flew through first. And um, we started a foundation called Golfers in Support of the Troops. And that led to um, you know, the the, uh, I'm drawing a blank on, um, on the program that, uh, that, that we funded every year. It's a national organization. It was a, I'm drawing a blank on it. But, um and then, and then we had a member who is uh ran the, uh, ran the VA down in Manhattan. And he said, John, you know, we've got some um, amputee veterans down here, and I think maybe you could do something with them. So we went down to Manhattan and we developed a program to work with uh, disabled vets. And that was, it was a combination of the foundation we did for golfers in support of the troops and then working with the disabled vets, which now the PGA does throughout the country in the, the PGA Hope program.
3: John, the Met section elected you to their Hall of Fame a couple of years ago. What was that night What was that night like for you?
2: Mm, yeah, well, it's, you know, it, it was, I was a couple of years, well, it was 2020, so I retired in 2016, so it was a few years after I retired. Um, and so my career, my, my working career, although I, I still do a lot of private consulting with golf pros, but, um, it was great because, you know, you, you put your name in a hall with, with people you always looked up to and you know, it will always be there. And really anybody who's gotten an award, I think truly feels like they're the ones who are fortunate and, um, really all you hope that it, that it inspires the next person along. And and I know I stand on the shoulders of many golf professionals who came before me and hopefully some others will be able to stand on my shoulders as, as time goes on.
3: Like I mentioned in your intro, you've written two books. Talk about what we're going to learn when we go out on Amazon and pick those up.
2: Well, it was a member who just came to me one time and he was a sports writer, a retired sports writer. And he said, you know, you have some interesting ideas. So tales from the lesson T, the whole idea is that, um,
0: <clears throat>
2: to get better at golf, you really need to hear one voice. And there's so much information out there and, um, you know, so much access to information that the people get confused and they're trying to do too much. So it's just my stories of of working with people and how they how they improve the ones who did improve really because they did hear one voice. And then my second book, uh, You Can Do It, was really just I'd read so many books uh, on personal improvement, separate of golf. And I said, you know, there are just certain fundamentals of life that, um, that are so consistent. And it doesn't matter whether it's sports or business or just you could be a high school student and fundamentals are fundamentals. And so that's what I shared in the second book, You Can Do It. And I'm just finishing up a third book, which, um, I, uh, and I, I gave it a title called Progress, Not Perfection. And it, it's just looking back over all those years of being around people trying to get better at something. And what what are the real consistent features that uh, that they all all those touchstones that they all are all touching?
3: John, before I let you go, how can our listeners stay up to date with you and find that find your books, do all that sort of thing, and then stay up to date online and on social media with you as well?
2: Yeah, well, I'm not a big social media guy, but I do have a LinkedIn uh, site. So John Kennedy, um, they just look up John Kennedy on LinkedIn john kennedy pga they should be able to find it and i've got about I'm about four thousand followers now and um yeah i'm just sharing some of the things that i've learned and that i'm happy to to pass along
0: well john
3: it has been a huge honor having you as part of the show i hope we get this privilege and particularly if you got that new book coming out come back share more of your stories and your insights and tell us more about what the book is about uh it's just been so great having you here as part of the show hope we get this privilege again
2: yeah, good, Chris. Well, it was great to talk to you, and I hope everybody has a great golf season. Take
3: care, John. All the best to you and your family. We'll catch up soon.
2: Very good. Thanks.
3: Thanks, Bye-bye. John. That is the great John Kennedy, folks, one of the most decorated and appreciated PGA professionals in the history of our game. Recognized for that greatness on both a national and local level there in the Met section. Just fantastic stuff. Plus, you add in on top of that the work that he is doing for our military veterans to make their lives better. And then, obviously, the folks for many, many years at, the, at Westchester Country Club. I can't thank him enough for taking time out of his night. And hopefully, we get to learn a little bit more about that third book and uh, some more of the stories from his time in and around the game. He's fantastic. We'll try to get him back on the show again soon. Coming up next is going to be a guy who has annually been recognized as one of the top 100 instructors in our game and a guy that I was very honored to spend some time with this year at the PGA Merchandise Show and that is Martin Chuck. Before I get to Martin, coming up next is a lady who has been named one of the 50 best golf fitness professionals by Golf Digest in our game, and that is Catherine Roberts. Catherine is an amazing lady. She's going to do a lot for us to help us use ground forces and our bodies to really get more strength and power in our game. Before I get to Catherine, I want to remind you about our friends over at Two Under. Two Under Men's Performance Briefs are the unofficial underwear of the PGA Ryder Cup and President's Cup teams, and are sold in over 3,000 golf pro shops and golf specialty retailers nationwide. Ricky Fowler is their global ambassador and over 50 other PGA, Corn Ferry, and Champions Tour players wear them. Just to mention a few, they are David Toms, Jerry Kelly, Justin Thomas, William McGirt, Jason Kokrak, Scott McCarron and Chris DiMarco. The Joey Pouch technology provides the ultimate male asset management delivering maximum comfort from the tee box to the boardroom to the bedroom. Use code NEXTONT20 to save 20% off your order at 2under.com. That's the number 2, UNDR.com. 2under, performance in your pants. Now making his next On the Tee debut with me is Martin Chuck. As you guys know, Martin has been named a Top 100 Teacher by Golf Magazine every year since 2017. You can find him out at the Raven Club in Phoenix, Arizona. Going back to the beginning, he is from Toronto, Ontario. Played his college golf at New Mexico State University from 1988 to 1991. While there, he earned his degree in professional golf management. After college, he spent a few years playing out on the Canadian Tour and what was then the Nationwide Tour. He has been a club professional and a director of golf at places like Indian Ridge Country Club, Arrow Creek Country Club, and Tetheroe Golf Club. He is now at Tour Striker Golf Academy. You probably also know Martin from the great training aids he's created over the years. I had the privilege of spending some time with him, seeing about some of those great products at the PGA Merchandise Show. And boy, I am very excited. I get to have him with me this week here on Next on the T. Hey, Martin, how are you, my friend?
5: I'm doing great, man. Thanks for having me on.
3: Martin, I wanted to start off our time tonight by kind of going back to the beginning and the early days for you because I read that at eight years old, you were out there shagging balls for Moe Norman. How did that come about? <laughs>
5: totally by accident. My dad sent me, it was nine, just to make it clear. Little, there was a little camp that uh, my cousin and I went to in a small town, um, Lake Simcoe, Ontario. And Moe would practice there. I didn't know who Moe was. He was just some guy. who looked like he was disheveled and practiced all day. And Some one of the pros that was teaching the camp said to me, that's the best ball striker that's ever lived. And I'm thinking there's no way that the best ball striker that's ever lived is in this little kind of muni course situation, you know, away from the big city. And it just was kind of crazy. And then when I, you know, got to watch him hit a few, I'm like, wow. Okay. Something special about this guy. And, uh, and he was, I mean, he didn't miss the middle of face and he hit it where he was aiming. Like, Every time. It's crazy.
3: So I also read that, I guess, shortly thereafter, you go out and get your first golf lesson from another Canadian legend and another great ball striker and George Knudsen, who I think doesn't get enough recognition for the great player that he was. I mean, the guy very nearly won the 1969 Masters, came pretty close, ended up finishing tied for second, a stroke back at George Archer. But he goes on to win eight times. On the PGA yep. Tour, which is tied for the most by a Canadian player, along with Mike Weir, talk about who he was in your relationship with him.
5: Yeah, so a special guy. You know, it was interesting. My ne- my neighbor comes over and he says, "Hey, you gotta see this. George Knudsen's doing a junior development thing." And so I, I I show my dad. My dad takes me to it, and it's just these one day. you do these one day little pop up things, and I would go and and I was tuned in. Like, and George appreciated the fact that like any junior was like tuned in. He he had time for him. If you were like trying to go chase frogs, he'd let you, but if you were tuned in, he'd spend a ton of time with you and trying to help you. And then it turned into when I was 12. So I did that. a met him a couple different times from like 10 to 10 and 11. And then at 12, he had a junior development program that he started. And it was at a great golf course, Northwest of the city called the national. And it's a phenomenal golf course it was ranked number one in Canada for a long time. And it probably it still is to be honest with you. They just don't care about the ranking anymore. And I was a part of that for years, so it was intense training with a great guy. Uh, the pro there was named Ben Kern. He was awesome too. Mo Norman come around once in a while. That was fun. So I had this neat experience with this amazing ball striker who was like picture kind of Clint Eastwood, you know, like a serious dude. Um, you know, he, he he was great, but he but he wasn't like he wasn't like fluffy and fun. He was like believed in you, and he was intense. So that was that was great. It was great coaching you You were held to a high expectation, you know when you're with them for the mornings, like you did this every morning, Monday through Friday for the most part from eight to eleven, so we spent a ton of time with them for a number of years and then I got into tournament playing and so forth, and i didn't I wasn't around as much because I was off playing events and successful events and I tell you what all the kids from that junior development thing under George's tutelage, pretty much everyone got a scholarship to the u s to play you know, high-level golf. And it was an amazing testament to his dedication and really what a an influence a coach can make on a kid. You know, like if you expect a lot and you treat them right and you, you know, hold them to it, you can get a lot out of kids. And I was, I was grateful to be one of those kids.
3: Speaking of golf scholarships, so you got to tell me, Martin, how does a Toronto kid end up going to play his college golf at New Mexico State?
5: So, you know, for some reason, there was a connection with my pro to uh, Texas, El Paso, U, uh, New Mexico State, University of New Mexico. He had gone to New Mexico State. So he knew the coaches in that area. Um, and it just, you know, California just was so, seemed so far. Not like New Mexico wasn't that far. But my goal being from Canada was like, get me out of the winter. I want to play golf. <laughs> I You know, I don't, I don't want to see much snow. And, and so I went and saw a few schools, and I just really liked the coach, like Herb Wimberly. And he just passed away about, oh, gosh, a little over a month ago. Lovely guy. Um, you know, he was a great guy. We had a we had a fun golf team. We did decently. Um, Rich Beam was on my team. You know, he wasn't the, uh, at that time, he wasn't quite the, you know, skilled kid that he developed and won the PGA. But, you know, very good player. There's some other good players on the team. Brennan Little, very good player. Sean Haberstroh, guys that have had reasonable careers in golf. And, and Brennan's just been a tour caddy. Not that that's just, but. On the bag for the US Open win for Gary Woodland, for Mike Weir's Masters win, for camila the Jegas, couple wins. Um, he's had a good career as a you know, I call caddies and like coaches and mentors, not just that they're carrying bags, they're really supporting their players to help them be their best version of themselves on the golf links. And so Brendan Little, uh one of my best pals, and you know, he's had a great career in the golf business.
3: Martin, as you mentioned, Rich Beam when and- When he held off Tiger to win that 2002 PGA Championship at Hazeltine, I know Michael Ruzioni's buddies like to tell him if if his shot against the Soviet Union was one foot to the left, he'd be painting bridges. When Rich won, I'm sure you were very excited for him. Did you give him credit for winning that, or were, were you busting him like, you know, hey, if that bogey on 18 was a double, you'd be shagging balls at a local Muni?
5: Well, the funny thing was, so Sunday the tournament ends, Monday... He shows up in Reno, Nevada, where I was a club pro because he had a, a sponsor there that he felt obliged to see. So that Monday he comes to the course. We have a absolute rip-roar time. Um just kind of celebrating his win. And it was uh, it was crazy. It was just like unbelievable. Like he he always had a net he was a very talented putter. Um he kind of grew into being a good ball striker and then you know, he had a caddy, Steve Duplantis, and uh, and you, your your knowledge of golf is so vast, it's shocking to me, actually. But Steve Duplantis was a, a Southern Ontario boy who originally caddied for Jim Furyk. He was a bit of a wild man. If you read Bud, Sweat & Tees, Alan Shipnuck book, book, you realize some of the crazy stuff that, that um, Duplantis and Beamer got into overseas, Scottish Open, British Open. And so they were kind of a unique like player caddy a duo like they you know unfortunately stevie passed away but um the steve had the ability to get roots to calm down and so there again there's a great you know guy at your side playing you know that's caddying for you and helping you helping you be your best and um you know i think you know the partnerships on tour the caddies like really an unsung hero in many cases
3: and i want to go back for a moment to your head coach herb wemberley uh, yeah. He and his brother Guy brought the professional yes. golf management program to New Mexico State. And just sort want to right. talk about the impact that Herb had on you and your career.
5: Well, you know, you have people in your life to learn lessons from and Herb was one of those guys. He if he liked you, he had a glowing you glowing things would be said. If he didn't like you, he wouldn't say anything negative. So if you asked, "Hey, what about so and so?" and he didn't have much to say, well, then you kind of knew how he felt about that fella. But if he asked, hey, what about, you know, this fella? And he, you know, would glow on. Then you're like, oh, okay, I get it. So he was one of those guys that, um, God-fearing, lovely guy. And he was like character times 10. And just, and so meeting him was one of the one of the blessings in life. That would be my golf coach was uh, was great. You know, he's just a lovely guy. And I'm glad, glad I got to spend like those formative years with a with a gentleman like that, so that that's what I would say. And he was a darn good, darn good golfer too. So and family man, he was a great guy.
3: Martin, you've made such a wonderful transition from being a good college player to going out and playing on tour to now being one of the top instructors in our game. What made you want to go out and teach? <sighs> you
5: know, I always liked it, and you know, I started working at George Newton's range when I was sixteen. And so when we weren't, you know, serving up a hot dog or selling somebody a beer or getting more range balls, then he wanted us to walk the range and ask questions and see how people were doing and offer up advice. And so all the people he hired were all people that he had trained. So it was, you know, it became pretty familiar with saying, hey, how's it going? And, so he said, oh, I'm, I'm, and they knew us. I mean, it was a it was a private range. You'd be a member of the range. You paid a a, a small fee but that way the people that hit balls at that range were like it wasn't just anybody off the street there was a bit of a dress code anyway it was a neat it was a neat environment and so they knew that the people there were trained by George so we would walk the range and next thing you know I would be talking to somebody about face to path and why they were fading it and so I started at a young age and I enjoyed it like I enjoyed the uh, seeing like the outcomes change with decent information provided in a simple manner so you know, off I went to college and I played for a while, even helped my college teammates with, with their golf swings over time. And then, um, you know, I've had a, a limited playing career. It was fun, but honestly, it wasn't that good. Uh, and then next thing, you know, I'm a club pro and I enjoyed coaching and helping the members and their, and their kids and junior programs and things. And it just kind of kept going from there, you know, and and now I've had a, a crazy fun time on my golf school in phoenix arizona we're on our 13th season at the Tour Straker golf academy and honestly it's like it's the demand for the camp is crazy it's sold out and um, we just have a really fun time with people every week helping them with their game and it's it's uh, it's an honor and a blessing to do it
3: you're not only one of the great instructors in our game but you've made a host of wonderful training aids i got to see And test out the Impact Sling when I saw you down at the PGA Merchandise Show. That thing's fantastic. Talk about creating products that are actually helping us play better golf.
5: You know, I'm in my little golf dojo right now working on on an interesting concept. And it's like, I just, man, you know, golf is so funny. If you go down the wrong rabbit hole, you can be in a long time. I heard John talking about listening to too many voices, and he's right, you know. But the funny thing about golfers is they love content. And they love watching coaches explain things, and sometimes it may not apply to them, or it may apply to them, but and and they may take the information the right way or the wrong way. But you know, as it relates back to training aids, my thing is, I want you to get to the finish line as fast as possible. If I can give you an external feedback device that helps you understand my language and my intent faster, then that's what I do. And so, if it's a wrist clicker or wrist trainer or the smart ball or the plane mate or the impact sling or the original tour striker that kind of launched my ability to kind of leave a normal club job and just, you know, teach full time. You know, that, that's what I've done. And it's, um, you know, it's been fantastic. It's everybody thinks, Oh man, you must make a zillion dollars selling training. aids. well, to be honest, it's not that easy a business. It's a, it's a business and businesses have ups and downs and we grind away and some months are good. Some months aren't. And, um, but it's, it's still fun. You know, we're on this earth for a short time and I just try to make a, as positive impact as I can, you know, and the people in my circle that I, that I touch, you know, that's it. Whether it's in the golf era, it's just passing somebody and giving them a nod or, you know, it's, a sh- we're not here a long time, man. Let's, let's just be nice to people. And if it's, if it happens to be through golf, perfect, you know, that that's my philosophy.
0: You
3: mentioned the smart ball and- How great was it to have Justin Rose and Rory McIlroy, more recently, be seen out on the practice tee using it?
5: It's crazy, you know. Last week or two weeks was last week, yeah. I was at Riviera, and uh, well, two weeks ago, and on Tuesday I'm on there, and Shigeki's warming up with it. Colin Morikawa's warming up with it. Nick Taylor had it. Um, Gosh, who else? A lot of guys were using it. It's crazy. It's just, you know, it. It's it's just a simple thing. If you can manage your arms, you better manage your wrists. If your elbows aren't separating a bunch, your wrists aren't bending and flexing much. So I think a lot of guys just like the simplicity of of finding like a baseline, ground zero sensation that they find reliable. And the smart ball seems to provide that for them. You know, it's a really simple thing. Like I wasn't the inventor of putting some something between your arms. There's been products before. But you know, mine was just like an inflatable ball with a lanyard. That was different, so that's why it's taken off. And it's, um, you know, it's it's also probably the most knocked-off product in in the world too. But um, you know, again, it's it helps a lot of golfers. I'm I'm honored that it does that, and to be associated with it, it's fantastic.
0: Well,
3: like I mentioned a moment ago, I got to test out the Impact Sling, which I think is a fantastic training aid. For, for those who haven't seen it, tell everybody what it is.
5: You know, so the impact sling, like it, you can, when I mean, you go back in time, a lot of golf coaches have been trying to teach rhythm and body motions. And swinging a rope is has been something that people have done for years because if you can energize a rope in a back swing, let it calm at the top and touch you gently on the back and then accelerate it through the bottom and let it slow down in style and tap you on the back on the finish, you know, you're doing a pretty good inclined circular motion that's got the energy in the right place. Well, ropes are fine, but I decided to put a, a a nice golf grip with a couple of eyelets on both both ends and then a flexible shrouded um, band that has like a certain weight to it so that it's got a sense of give and flex so that you can hit the ground with it and you can kind of work in your low point. And best of all, it just travels up real easy and you can stuff it in your travel bag and you know, if you're a golf junkie and you're going on a business trip and you can't bring your club seat you, well, you can swing this in the hotel room because it, you know, wraps up into a small little space. And so you can keep fresh and you can keep your rhythm up and see your swing shape and understand inside out, outside in those elements. And so and also you can do a fit whole fitness routine with you know the eyelets attached to other bands that you can, you know, close a door on and you can use as a leverage point and get a pretty good workout in. So yeah, it's been a cool product. It's it's one of those things that it's not magic. So people don't go, Oh, it's the, you know, I'm going to catch the biggest bass in the world with this lure. It's a product that people respect and they get it and they swing it and they go, man, i am kind of developing a nice feel for this thing. And I, and it transfers over to my golf club. So, you know, I, I've enjoyed hearing the positive comments from that. So, and I'm still cooking, Chris, I've got lots of things up my sleeve, man.
3: No doubt you do. You're a tour striker, seven iron and pitching wedge. They look very different. But talk about how they can help us gain better control, particularly where so many of us struggle, which is from inside a hundred yards.
5: So the the original my original product that kinda was my you know, big break, so to speak. You know, it's funny, it's um came to the market in in December two thousand nine and went to the PGA show in twenty ten and it was it was a big hit. Like a lot of the top teachers back then were coming over going, damn, why didn't I think of that? Basically, a very elevated leading edge to the equator of the golf ball, so the club is a bizarre looking thing. You set it down and and the face is elevated off the ground and People go, "How do you hit that?" Well, you can hit it by leaning the shaft and so if you lean the shaft, that elevated leading edge gets closer to the ground that that leading edge getting closer to the ground gets below the equator of the ball, and the ball can go up so when What I found was when i when I modified somebody's intent. Their idea of how the club touched the ball, it changed their swing right away. Intent, instantly changed their swing. So, in testing it, and I farted around with a couple that I made the cart burn. Showed my wife, and she's like, "Wow, that's pretty cool." And then I, you know, back before everybody had video cameras like that were like, you know, to where you could just pop it on your phone and show people. I was seeing these crazy changes with these members of mine, and this is in Reno, Nevada, back in the day. And then I said to my wife, Stacy, I said, Hey, this thing's pretty cool. We got to trace this down and, and try to get some of these made. So, you know, that was in 2006. And so December, 2009, it took a while. And we cobbled our resources together and we had 500 of these things delivered to our house. And by then Bend, Oregon, I'd taken another club Pro job and we were sending out one or two a day. And next thing you know, we're at the golf show with it, peddling it and people are enjoying it. And then a marketing company approached me and we made an infomercial and next thing you know, we sold 175,000 the things. It's crazy. Wow. So yeah, it was nuts.
3: Martin, just a couple more before I let you go. And you've got a lot of great videos out on the tour striker YouTube channel. Tell everybody what they can go find and what they'll learn when they subscribe to that channel.
5: So, you know, YouTube to me is kind of like the, uh, I, I park videos there. I'm not a, I don't think I'm a prolific YouTuber. Like, I think I've got, uh, I mean, I have a, probably a thousand videos on there, so I guess that's a lot. But, the, you know, if, I just think, you know, if, if something is interesting to me, I'll put it on YouTube. And and so people can go watch and search, you know, Martin Chuck and ask a question on, in the browser, in the search bar, and it'll probably populate a video that can help that golfer understand a little deeper on what, what they're looking at, learn more of. But other platforms, like I've been honored, like seriously honored to be a part of uh, Revolution Golf back in the day, which was uh, Justin Tupper. And then more currently, I've been on Performance Golf with, uh, with Brixton Albert and Donnie French. And, and it's just been an honor to be on those platforms because they're, they touch so many golfers that I I can rarely go through an airport without some dude who's like 60 going, hey, hey, Martin. I watch your videos and I'm like, thank you. I appreciate that. And they go, it's helped me. I'm like, wow, thank you. You know, so it's, it being on these platforms, I, I always joke I say, I feel like Justin Bieber to old men, you know, like, <laughs> it's like, like, I swear, like, I tell you that the number of times, like if I'm in a, a busy place, a 70 year old dude will say, Hey man, I watch your videos. I'm like, thank you. You know, it's pretty funny.
3: Well, that's awesome. Yeah. Martin, the the way that you present content. The way that you present the instruction that you give us on your YouTube channel or on the videos that you've done on other platforms, your demeanor, your personality, and the way you teach it, to me, is some of the best I've ever seen. How'd you develop your style?
5: I don't know. Who knows? You know, I just, it's like, uh, just sharing information. I try to paint. It's tough. You're talking to a camera, right? And so... I'm thinking to myself, all right, if somebody's watching this, how can I be descriptive enough that I might trigger feelings and motions and the connection to what that feel might be through illustrative motion, me moving around and then language. So, you know, gratefully, I, I guess I'm decent at it because people tell me they like the content and that they understand it. So, you know, I, you know, I guess it's working. And I, and honestly, Chris, I've, been doing it now on my first video is a joke actually it's in 2006 it's on youtube i got sunglasses on which i i don't think teachers should do when they're communicating on a video uh, i've got bad audio you know so i just started to realize how important audio is and you know reasonable lighting and then don't make it over complicated you know we're not that smart and let's just keep things kind of organized so people can go yeah okay that's a that's a little nugget i can use and have a little bit more fun maybe hitting it solid and scoring a shot or two better.
3: Martin, before I let you go, how can our listeners stay up to date with all the great things that you're doing and coming out with, whether they're following you on your website or they're doing it on social media?
5: You know, so I, you know, tourstriker.com is my is my website and you can find you can go join the newsletter there, which is kind of fun because every week we send out free tips and just funny stuff that I think people enjoy. Um, golf all golf related. And then my Instagram is uh kind of where I spend most of my time these days, Martin Chuck PGA. And then Tour Striker Golf is more of the product side. But you know, if you find TourStriker.com, you can get on the newsletter. We don't hammer you with content. We just send you, hey, this is a cool tip. Here's some products that I like. No pressure. If you want to get it, get it. If you don't, that's fine too. And um, yeah, just you know, have fun with this darn game, man. We're not on this planet for that long. And it's just a fun game and people are great. Um, some people aren't, but most are great. And uh, that's about it, man. So I'm just blessed to do what I do and appreciate you having me on.
3: That's fantastic. And by the way, my first guest tonight, Tom Patrick, wanted me to send along oh, his best. He yeah. says he's got a great deal of respect for the great things that you do.
5: Oh, he's awesome too. He's he's great. I And I've never, I, John Kennedy, like those two knuckleheads, I'd love to go hang out with both those dudes. So. I appreciate you who you've had on over over the, you know your your deal and it's um yeah no I think everybody just appreciates guys that work hard the right way and do the right things and that's all I'm trying to do so thank you for having me on that's
3: fantastic Martin take care my friend all the best to you and your family I hope we get Cheers, the privilege of catching up with you again soon
5: I love it see you bye bye see
3: you Martin that is the great Martin Chuck again TourStriker.com is the website Martin Chuck PGA is where you can find him on uh, on Instagram, and I tell you what, folks, uh, it was a huge thrill to get to spend some time with him at the PGA Merchandise Show. The Impact Sling is is something that I am a huge fan of, and speaking of being a huge fan, I'm a huge fan of Martin Chuck. How great is that guy? Right? Here's a, here's a, here's a bunch of content. He's going to do it the right way. He's going to do it in a way that you enjoy the presentation. You can understand, and like you said, even if you don't understand, all of it, there's, there's probably a nugget in there that you're going to take away that's going to make your game infinitely better. And as you go back and you look at his videos, you subscribe to his YouTube channel or his other content that you read and and absorb, each piece of that is going to give you another nugget to make you a little bit better and a little bit better and a little bit better. And before you know it, Martin Chuck's the guy that, that got you, whatever it is, breaking 100, breaking 90, breaking 80, or just having more fun out on the golf course. And it can't be any better than that. And they don't come better than that. And I can't thank Martin enough for taking time out of his busy schedule to come and be a part of the show. Like I said, I sincerely hope we get the privilege of doing that again really, really soon. Joining me next is going to be one of the guys who is the most knowledgeable fantasy sports guys, regardless of what the sport is, a guy that I have known for many, many years. We kind of got started in this podcasting thing together way back in 2011, and that's Chris Mitchell. Before I get to Chris, Let's talk about our friends over at Squares Golf. And folks, do you sway and you're off balance in your golf swing? You know what? It could not be your shoes. A golf shoe needs structure to provide stability and reduce sway. How can you tell if your shoes lack structure and are hurting your game? If you can hold your shoes by the toe and heel and twist it, toss it. Squares was designed for the perfect balance of structure and comfort. Isn't it time you tried Squares? Try the new Speed Bolt. At squares.com. That's S-Q-A-I-R-Z dot Looking for the ultimate Myrtle Beach golf experience? Well, it's only a click away. Check out the two-play special at two of America's most awarded public golf courses, Caledonia Golf and Fish Club and True Blue Golf Club. They are low-country masterpieces featuring two iconic Mike Strantz designs. Play these two incredible courses for one great price. Visit caledoniagolfandfishclub.com to learn more about the two play special and book your tee time today. Again, that's caledoniagolfandfishclub.com. All right, now back with me is new England golf writer Chris Mitchell. Chris has been a friend for an awfully long time. He's one of the most knowledgeable people on the planet about fantasy sports, whichever sport you're a fan of. He's a staff writer for fantasydata.com. He's hosted his own podcast called a podcast to be named later. In 2017, that podcast was nominated for Fantasy Podcast of the Year. You can follow him on Twitter, at CJMitch73. And I'm honored that he is back with me again tonight here on Next on the T. Hey, Chris, how are you, my friend?
4: <laughs> Very nice of you to say those things, Chris. Uh, all of it true, except for the, the podcast was not nominated for, for Best Podcast, but I, I think you deserve more of the credit than I do. <laughs> because when you apply for those awards, you have to send in like a few samples and then they listen to them and and then they decide who's going to be nominated and of course, who wins. And one of the samples was definitely you and I talking about one of the different majors because I don't know if your audience knows, but we used to talk about all four majors every year and you'd pick your favorites. And uh, and so your uh, your sample was definitely included in the nomination process. And I have no doubt that because of you is why I was nominated. Unfortunately, maybe because of you also. I didn't win, but none <laughs> thanks for having me on the show anyway. Even though you're the reason why I lost, thanks for having me on the call today.
3: <laughs> you bet, and it's pretty good to be Chris Mitchell right about now because you're coming
4: to us from a tropical island that has me jealous as heck. Tell everyone where you're at. I- I'm I'm spending a few weeks here in Anguilla. I don't know how many people know about the island of Anguilla. It's uh, it's a Caribbean island just across the way. I think the the island that more people probably are familiar with is Saint Martin. A lot of people really in St Barts is another one in the vicinity. I can see both of them outside my bedroom window right now. That's how nice it is to to be here um but uh it's Anguilla it's a small little island it's not all that inhabited it's not as popular as as it probably should be, but it is its it's pure luxury it's paradise here and actually i played um they have a golf course here high end golf course, fantastic course uh aurora international i actually because I write for Golf, I do a lot of reviews on on the Cape Cod courses. I just every course that I every place I go to, I try to contact the courses to see if they'll let me play, hopefully, you know, let me play for free. And um I was lucky enough that uh, Aurora International was happy to have me on board and so I got to play 27 holes while I'm sitting here in a Caribbean paradise.
3: All right, so now you got to tell us about it, right? You you got out there, they let you play 27. Tell us about the course.
4: It I'm I was stunned at how good the conditions of it is it, it it's a resort that really caters to some they treat you like kings and queens here whether it's whether you're a guest in one of the villas or whether you actually want to play the golf course or not um they really treat you so so well hospitality the the amenities are just phenomenal and so they obviously put just huge amounts of effort into maintaining the course so that essentially they don't want to be embarrassed by the condition of the course and and I can tell you it's amazing what kind of shape it's in because anguilla is extremely warm it's mid 80s and that's kind of in the cold weather and then in the summertime (laughs) it gets into the 90s they get very little rain so to be able to maintain a course with essentially not a single blemish on the entire ground i I was just shocked at how good the fairways are how how good the greens are i mean usually i play on the cape and the weather there is pretty nice for maintaining golf courses but occasionally you, you, you a couple summers ago and climate change and all of this, you, you get these kind of some of the fairways get a little burnt out. Sometimes the fairways will have some spots cause it's, you know, they just didn't get enough water on cause it they had water shortages and things like that. How they were able to do it. The course is phenomenal as far as the shape. It, it, it's like hitting off your living room floor. It, it's just that perfectly groomed. Uh, and because they, there's some breeze here, they have to do some things as far as the design of the course to try to there's not a lot of trees. I and mean, it's surrounded by palm trees and things like that. But they are able to make you feel like, even though it, it's a little bit, some spots of the course are kind of open, it, it makes you feel like you're, you're playing each hole individually, which is one thing I love about Cape Courses is Cape Courses, you're basically tree-lined every single hole. So you feel like you're playing every single hole by yourself. And so I get used to that on the Cape. This course, you can't do that. And yet, they make you feel sort of like you do that. They put water in the right places, and and so they really do a good job in making you feel like it. It, it is not like you're, you're not playing in a cow pasture. They do the, the design of the course is very good that way. Uh, but what's really amazing is there are a couple holes where you literally hear the ocean crashing into the into the rocks as you're putting on the green. Then you'll be looking at a par five. You're looking down and you say, okay, where's my target? And you, you, you pick out your spot and all of a sudden you, you you look away from your ball for just a second and you realize you're looking at, at the ocean, you're looking at the mountains of St. Martin and you and you see all these rich yachts floating in the water. And it's like, it's just unbelievable. It's like, it, it kind of takes your breath away for a minute. So it's, a, it's an all around exceptional uh, experience if you can do it. And, it's, and the design's interesting. It's, 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 it's got all the standard stuff: par fours, threes, fives. Um, it, it's it's definitely if you can get out here and play it, it I would actually I would definitely recommend it. Uh, but the the thing that really shocked me the most is they put a they put a million gallons of water on the course every, every single day. Oh my! And to have a course without any damage on the fairways at all, considering the kind of arid conditions that Anguilla provides them, for as far as the challenge goes, I was really kind of floored.
3: So it's island golf, and when I think island golf, I think windy condition.
4: You get a lot of wind? You do. It's not – you do get a lot. Um, It's not overly windy, but there is always a breeze of some kind. So you're not overwhelmed where you're literally falling over on the tee. You know, sometimes you can get that. The Anguilla isn't quite that bad, or at least it isn't right now. Um, From what I've been told, in the summertime, there's actually very little wind so really? that's obviously not a problem then the times that i come i usually come in february to the beginning of march and there's always a breeze which which keeps the heat down it keeps you a little bit comfortable uh, it can get a little wavy that's the one big thing it's an island it's extremely flat so if you go to the wrong beach waves can be an issue but as far as the when i played the golf course the wind was not overwhelming it, it didn't make it uncomfortable it didn't you know i don't like to play in wind. It's it's just you know it's just disruptive if if it's at your back it makes it difficult the wind was not that bad and it helped keep you reasonably comfortable because 85 degrees with a really really strong mediterranean sun it can get hot here um but the breeze helps uh, helps with that and it really it wasn't prohibitive it, it didn't it didn't damage the the you know the fun of the of the day at all i'm i'm a little bit surprised but the wind here just isn't too bad
3: Chris, you've mentioned Cape Cod golf a number of times so far, and and there there are so many great golf courses up and down the Cape and across New England for that matter. But I got to get from you, what what courses are on Chris Mitchell's top five must play down there on the Cape?
4: Wow. You put me on the spot there. I'm not someone who loves to pick top things. I'm not good at that. Um I'm a, it it really depends because like you said, I, I, when I was, when you asked me to come on the show, I did a little bit of research. I looked in, I really tried to put together, like how many courses are actually on the Cape? It's amazing how many there is. The Cape is not that big. I mean, it's, I don't know, 50 or 60, maybe 80 miles long total, but there are a lot of courses on the Cape. I was like, okay, this course has 36 holes. This one has 27 with a links. This one's a part three, but it's on the water. I mean, the Cape has so many different types of courses. And because of the uniqueness of the Cape, you can play there all year round. Uh, a lot of the courses down the Cape are open uh, 12 months a year. Is that right? Yeah, a, lot, a fair amount of them are. I'm a member at Old Old Barnstable Fairgrounds, and I also work there as a starter uh, occasionally. And um, they're run by the the, the the county of, I guess, it's Barnstable. Uh, they're in marston Mills, but I, I believe it's the county of Barnstable and and if you're a member there you're a member at both old barnesville fairgrounds as well as Hyannis country club and at least one of those courses is open 12 months a year so they, they they decide which one it's going to be each year but um they're open all the time and i don't know how many of the courses on all of the cape are open all year round but i know at least some of them and i think when they're run by the you know municipalities i think they feel like it's a responsibility to their to their residents to to stay open. So I think some of the other courses are open as well. I called a friend of mine at the course just to kind of check in with him before I came down here to Anguilla. It was uh, February 6th, and I jokingly asked him. I said, is the tee sheet full? Completely joking. I mean, it was like 43 degrees, which is is relatively temperate in the winter. But I was completely joking. And he, was in all seriousness, oh, yeah, we're, we're booked. No tee times available. Wow. They had 81 players on February 6th. 81 players were playing golf on Cape Cod on February
3: 6th. Yeah, I never would have guessed that to be the case. I wouldn't guess it'd be open all year round. I, you would just think from a cold perspective that, you know, you get frost delays and all of that sort of thing. And it would be hard on the, on the the on the grass and on the course and everything else to try to just keep it alive. Well, I never would have guessed you could play 12 months down on the Cape.
4: See that's what's so unique about because again the Cape is an island. It's surrounded by water on all sides. You can't get onto Cape Cod without going over a bridge. So I, I don't know if people consider the Cape Cod an island, but technically it's surrounded by water. And because of that, it, it may it, it just it's a different it's it's a little bit of a different weather pattern there than even as close as Plymouth, which is just over the bridge, and like a like a Boston, which is about sixty to seventy miles north. And so yes, there, when, when the course that gets played during the winter, at, uh, whether it's Old Barnesville or Hyannis, it does get beat up a little bit from the playing. It's not as much the weather conditions as it's the weather conditions and the fact that people are playing the course. So I do notice that when both courses finally open up in you know April or May or May or June, whenever the, whenever the full golf season kind of starts on the Cape, um, I notice a difference in the conditions based on which course is open all winter and which one has been closed. So you can tell a difference. There is an impact there. But the Cape is somewhere between five and sometimes as much as 15 degrees difference in temperature than Plymouth, which again, as I said, it's just over the bridge, or Boston, which is about a a little over an hour north. Um, So in the wintertime, you'll get 42, 43, but it might feel like 50 depending on the moisture in the air and things like that. So 42 feels like it's too cold, and that's not a temperature I really love to play in. I like golf, but I'm not a lunatic. (laughs) <laughs> um but 52 on the cape can feel like 52 and all of a sudden as long as it's sunny and it's not too windy 52 and sunny without any wind is a playable temperature even for me um and then you get the flip side in the summertime whereas in boston it can be 93 94 and roasting on the cape there's a little bit of a breeze you get more like 84 85 and it doesn't feel anywhere near as hot so because of the ocean and the and the way that it can impact how not only how the temperatures either rise or fall, but just the way they feel. You can play golf on the Cape absolutely all year round, and the and you don't have to be a diehard. You just have to. I mean, again, it's 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 going to be 55 in Boston. Uh, I think tomorrow, uh, the Cape Cod will probably, I think, be 48, 49. I'm pretty positive that Saturday's tea times will be full.
0: Yeah, <laughs> no doubt.
4: All right,
3: so I'm going to let you off the hook for the top five list, but tell us about you. You mentioned. You're a member at Old Barnstable, and uh, you might get some reciprocation over at Hyannis Country Club. Tell us about those two courses.
4: Right, real quickly, let me give you a few of the courses that are really good on the Cape, just so I don't leave anybody hanging here. You did give me Athmere 5. Uh, I played a lot of courses last year. I'm going to actually be writing up a bunch of reviews over at newengland.golf. So I will be having the reviews for a bunch of Cape courses coming out in the next two or three months as we get into the, into the golfing season. So let me give me a few. One is Cranberry Valley. Uh, this is a course that it, it's really been a hot course. Everyone talks about it. It's, it. it's going on five, six, seven years now, where if you ask anyone, you know, where would where you want to play? Where do you think we should play? Cranberry Valley is a hot course where everyone just seems to really be excited about playing there. And then after they play, they talk very highly of it. They had a little bit of wind issues a few years ago. They had some trees fall. So they actually lost about a half a golf season uh, to some strange weather condition that knocked a whole bunch of trees down into their fairways. Um, but Otherwise, Cranberry Valley is a course that everyone's excited about. You can walk it. Um, it's well-designed. It's in good shape. Uh, Cranberry Valley is, again, a very hot course you want to look at. Uh, one course that's really fantastic is uh, it used to be called Ballymead. It's in Falmouth. Um, it's now called the Cape Club. Um, Ballymead went through a few really odd kind of um, conditions, too. They had some some bugs that ate the greens, and, and so they they really just had some really strange you know, act of God kind of damage to the course. So Ballymeat ended up actually going into bankruptcy and going under. They got bought up. Now they go by a new name called the Cape Club. And they came in, they renovated it. All those issues with the greens and things like that it seemed to have been completely er- uh, eradicated. Uh, and they've really fixed it up fantastically well. So it was a pretty nice course anyway. The con- you know the restaurants and, and I liked the design of the course even before they had their troubles. But then the the Cape Club Group came in. They really put a lot of money into the amenities, the restaurant, the practice facility. They've got tennis courts and things there as well. So now not only is the design of the course pretty interesting, but they really treat you special. It almost feels like a private club feel when you go in there. It's not just you check in, they say hello. Yeah, the you know the push carts are over to the right. They really kind of the amenities are really phenomenal. It really feels like a high end, really top notch kind of place. So if you want to give it a try, again, it it used to be Ballymead. A lot of people may know of it as Ballymead, but over the last, I think it was three years ago, it got taken over and it's now called the Cape Club. Uh, That's a really good one. Um, There's a couple of uh, public courses, and a lot of the courses on the Cape you can walk. So they're relatively flat and and they're all walkable. Dennis Highlands and Dennis Pines are two courses, a lot like Old Barnesville Fairgrounds and Hyannis. They're run by the same community there. Both courses are run by the same uh, municipality. I would be surprised if at least one of them isn't open during the winter. Like I said, I think these local municipal courses are open. Um, They're interesting. A lot of people like them. The the greens really roll through. They keep the fairways in nice shape. And uh, like I said, I like to walk. So if there's a course that's walkable, uh, I actually prefer to that. Um, Another course I looked at, Pine Hills. I think a lot of people who know anything about Cape Cod Golf. Technically, Pine Hills is off Cape, but you can't walk it. And and so it's a fantastic course, high-end expensive, but um, you can't walk it. So when you get courses like Dennis Pines and Dennis Highlands, uh, you can walk those courses. Um, and the courses I was talking about before is Captain. Captain's is a, a 36-hole facility, very interesting layout. Um, it's a little more straightforward, nothing too crazy, but the fairways are nice and plush. They really keep it in fantastic shape. They have some very interesting holes. It's like a 187 yard par three. This is a little bit uphill. You hit over to a, a, a kind of a guck area. Then there's some downhill par fours where, if you're really a pretty decent driver of the, of the golf ball, you can actually drive the green, but it goes downhill. So if you're a big driver, you may actually hit it over. They've got some interesting holes like that. But uh, Captain's is, is a great facility and they got 36 holes. So if you're a crazy person, you can get out there and, and spend the entire day, or you can play each hole, uh, you know, each 18 and try them both out. Um, but the captains was one of the ones that a lot of people speak about. And that was one one of the sets of courses that I'll be reviewing, that I really liked. That's, that's another really nice course. So as far as Cape goes, those are some of the best ones.
3: All right. So Chris, let's switch gears a little bit. As you mentioned at the top, you and I have joined each other around the majors where we're probably about six weeks away right now from the masters, but we got the players coming up here in a couple of weeks. You always put me on the spot for who do I think are the my top four players. And you, and you give me a, a pass with a caddy for, a, for maybe a guy that's from way downtown who might be a player that could surprise and come from out of nowhere to win. So I want to get your thoughts on the players. Looking ahead a couple of weeks, who do you like? Who are, who are the four guys that you think are going to be at the top of the leaderboard and who might
4: surprise from out of nowhere? Yeah, you, you really put me on the spot. It, the, one of the things that I – the whole live controversy kind of – I always thought it would not be as big of a problem if the PGA Tour didn't panic to it. And the reason why I, I say that is because the players on the PGA Tour are so good now that, yes, the John Roms and the, and those guys, there are 10 or 15 guys that are are the best of the best, and they are the favorites in every single tournament, and, and they they usually finish near the top of the leaderboard all the time. But once you get beyond that 10 or 12 players, the players below them are just so good. We just don't happen to know them because they're not the best five or six or eight. And so when you get out there, there's so many guys now that now that a few of those elite stars left, you get a different winner every single week. You get different guys who finish in, in the, at the top every single week. And and it's just, it's so hard to predict everything. I mean, you see a guy like a Tony Finau. I think he's probably one of the most talented players on the tour, but yet he never wins. So he finishes in the top five or 10, but he doesn't win ever. A guy like that actually makes it so that we get a different winner seemingly every single week. So to, to, to pick one guy, I mean, it's hard not to, to think that Rory's going to play well, but he's not winning tournaments right now. So I don't think I could put him on the board. Like I said, Tony Finau will be in there. He'll be competitive, but I, I wouldn't bet on him to actually win a tournament. Uh, and it's so early in the season. Jordan Spieth is is playing well, but he's not, you know, he's not really winning it, at the moment. Um, if you had to bet on one guy, I guess you got to go with Patrick Cantley. I mean, is there a time when he doesn't play well? Does he? Is there a time when he doesn't drive the ball, when he doesn't stick to greens? Um I gotta go with Patrick Cantley as one of those guys that I gotta think is gonna be in the top five and at least have a shot at winning, whether he wins or not again, who who knows. Another phenomenon that I, I can't pick the guy, but how do you not root for, for Scotty Scheffler? How does a guy putt as poorly as essentially we do, and yet he gets <laughs> in competition and, and a chance to win every single week? How good do you have to strike the ball to putt as poorly as he does and still almost win? It, it's, I don't know. And, and, and just to add to it, the way he hits the ball is like, how does he even hit the ball? His his feet are all over the place. His Balance looks terrible. And yet he's, I mean, he's probably the best ball striker in the world right now. Wouldn't you think?
3: Yeah, I agree. It is, it is sort of mind boggling to think, you know, as great as he's been and he, a guy that, you know, right up there all the time for PGA tour player of the year. Oh, by the way, to think of, of, how often last year? What was it? Twelve times in the top ten last year. To think that he's always right there at the top of the leaderboard. If if he could just putt a little bit better, one or two more putts around, boy, he would just be Tiger S.
4: Yeah, it, it's really it it's it's really insane. It, it's it's not even sane. It's it's crazy that he can strike the ball that well and 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 be competitive. I mean, he misses three and four footers like we do. I mean, I don't know. I, we haven't played together, so I can't speak to your putting, but um, I can tell you that that my putting, I miss four footers all the time. He misses four footers like he's out there playing old Barnstable Fairground on a Sunday at two <laughs> o'clock after four or five beers. I mean, it, how does it? How does a guy compete on tour like that when when he does that? I don't. It's it, it's just insane. And I, like I said, he looks so off balance, and I, I just don't know how he does it. It's, it's just crazy.
5: Yeah, it is.
3: Chris, I got to, you, you mentioned live. So you and I haven't spoken since uh, this whole live thing really kind of took off. And here we are. We, we thought we may get back together. The, the, the two groups with the PIF and the PGA tour would come back together based on their uh, G, uh, December 31st deadline. That obviously didn't happen. We hear that there's ongoing conversations. Where do you think this whole thing finally ends up?
4: I've never felt like they would eventually that they would eventually team up. I never thought that would happen. Um, obviously, what we found out is as successful as the PGA Tour is. The Saudi Arabia or whatever that group is technically called, they just have endless flows of money. I mean, they can throw out two hundred fifty million to John or Phil Mickelson, like it's absolutely nothing. If you hear about you know th- these, these Arab princes, they they go and they spend 25, 30 grand a night on hotels and don't even know that it exists, essentially. They're like, we didn't even you know, the money is just absurd. So so I think really what happened all along was the PGA saw an endless flow of money being thrown at them for the next five or ten years, and they could just keep plucking all the best players if they wanted to, and and maybe pluck sponsors and, and eventually maybe eat away that just by buying their product. Uh, So I never felt like there was ever going to be a a uniting of the two things. And it feels kind of me like that's what they did. They made an agreement to try to negotiate, but I never felt like the PGA was ever going to find an agreement. And so I think it was all just a delay tactic to where eventually they will not get together. They will not combine. And I don't know if live survives or not. I mean, like I said, the money that they throw at that can, literally be endless and go on forever. So if they want to try to as they call it in their sport watch the the, the the even more with the with with golf being just another one of the sports that they're trying to make their image a little bit cleaner with if they want to just continue that over and over and over and just like a sunk cost then they can do that and I I'd be curious to see if after 5 or 6 or 8 years if they do that because I find that I don't watch the live product. I've checked it out a couple times, uh, you know, I've, I've come across the channel I can't watch golf with music blaring in the background and the the just comical, amateurish way that, that, that the the package is presented from what I've seen. I, I just can't find it watchable. Maybe that's appealing to the younger crowd who like more energy and, and more excitement, and, and may, maybe they can find a, a niche group there. But I don't think they're putting together a very good product, and I don't think it appeals to the people who really drive the popularity of golf. And it just seems so foreign to the way golf is. I don't think anyone will ever really embrace live. And what I was trying to say earlier before is in the world today, the media is so you can basically create a story out of anything. So anyone who's a good marketer, put together a slick campaign, you use the right words, the right images. You can make anything seem like anything and you can make anyone like something. So I, I, I always thought that if the PGA was just patient, then the next core of players, Maybe they're not as good as the ROMs and, and the Cameron Smiths and all those types of things. Maybe they're not quite technically as good as them, but it's not like you're watching, you know, I remember back in the NFL days when they went on strike, they had the NFL players and they had the scabs. The scabs were, looked like, you know, high school players, you know, trying to re- relive their heyday. And then you saw the NFL players and it's like, it was just, you were watching two totally different products. There was just such a world of difference, the, the talent level. When you see all the different players that are competing out on the PGA Tour right now, they're not as good as John Rahm. They're not as good as Cameron Smith, but they're really good. And if we for, kind of forgot that John Rahm was so good, then you can see the Max Holmes and some of these other guys that compete every single week and really put themselves in, in, in position to win. Every single guy comes out, he competes three or four or five times a year where he gets really close and plays well. And that brand starts to get established. And then all of a sudden, those are the new stars, and you don't even remember the stars that got stolen by Liv. I've always felt that that's what the PGA Tour was going to do. It might take five, six, seven, eight years where these guys, like a Patrick Cantlay, they've got to be on the tour for three or four years. They have to be competitive three or four years every single year. But once that that crop of stars, that next group pops up from the kind of the minors into becoming the, the stars, I've always felt like the PGA Tour, it wouldn't matter if Liv stole the next great star because they just had 10, 15, 20, 25, just waiting to be that next guy. And I kind of feel like even though they're supposed to be negotiating now, I think eventually that's going to happen, whereas the PGA Tour is just going to step right back into the groove. And the fact that Liv keeps stealing some of their players, they can't steal all. So they can clip two or three every single year. For me, it doesn't change my viewing pleasures. I still watch golf every single Saturday and Sunday, Thursdays and Fridays when I can. Um, and I'm just waiting to get to know these new great players. I mean, I love Zaltorius. I'm waiting for him to start winning some games. He's he's a twig, but the guy can play. Same. There's a bunch of those guys who do good on the amateur tours, and next thing they step up and and they're the next star. I think that's what the what five years from now that's what the PGA Tour is going to be. Live is just going to be somebody who steals that hot price free agent, but doesn't really make a dent in the overall impact of the popularity of golf.
3: Speaking of not watching very much of, of the live content, Anthony Kim is returning to professional golf this week at the live tournament over in Judea. If you weren't tanning on the beach this weekend, no interest in seeing what, uh, whatever became of AK. I,
4: I, I just don't pay attention to live. I really, I really don't. It doesn't matter to me that much. Uh, and now that you mention it, I didn't even realize that he was doing that. Now that you mentioned it, maybe maybe I would check it out. Maybe I will. I'll be home on I'm tra Unfortunately, I'm leaving the beach on Saturday, so I will be home on Sunday. Um now that you mentioned it, I would be curious to see what happened to him, you know, the disappearing act that is Anthony Kim. Maybe now I will, but previously I wasn't even aware of it and even if I was I- no, I I don't think I probably would have checked it out. You have piqued my interest though now, so I may have to find out what channel it is on. And I think it's on maybe like the CW or something. That's right. So, um, yeah, maybe I'll check them out now, now that you brought it to my attention. But originally, wouldn't even have occurred to me to check it out.
3: Chris, one more before I let you go. And we got a round and a third out of Tiger at the Genesis Invitational, which is unfortunately becoming all too familiar a result for him having either withdrawn in the second or third round or barely making the cut and finishing at the bottom of a leaderboard. Prior to the Hero World Challenge, he said he was hoping to play once a month this year. So we may get to see him at the players. Maybe it's at the Arnold Palmer. I doubt it's going to be both because back-to-back weeks is going to be tough on him. But what are your expectations for Tiger Woods going forward?
4: I was actually talking to my father about this um, last weekend after he pulled out. I just don't think physically he can handle just I just don't think he can hold up I mean he had issues before the car accident that would make you wonder if he could continue to play a consistent schedule then all of a sudden he has an accident where he almost dies and almost loses a leg I I, unfortunately I I think what we saw when he withdrew is is probably going to be the norm it doesn't bother me you know it's not like you're watching a you know some ex-player who just can't do it anymore Granted, that's kind of what Tiger is, but it doesn't feel that way when he goes out there. So if he can go out there and he can play four days and and just for that weekend, he entertains us. And and it's great to see the old Tiger maybe playing well, maybe even get within, you know, streaming distance of the leaderboard or something like that. um, That's enough for me. You know, you know, you see like a Larry Bird who just can't run up and down the court anymore because his back is shot. Sometimes that's sad to see, and you're just like, okay, you really can't do it. You know, why don't you retire, and we'll just remember you for greatness? I don't see Tiger that way. I don't feel that way about him. Maybe it's just because golf's different. You know, golf isn't three days a week for five months. So if just for four days he can go out there and and maybe remind us of how incredibly good he was way back in the day, I'm fine with that. And if he has to try, and, and he has to withdraw on Friday, if that happens. Every once in a while, or even more often than not, I'm okay with that. And, but unfortunately, I think that's what we're going to get. I, I just can't see how he can go out there because it's not just playing. I mean, think, I don't think people realize how, how physically demanding golf is. they walk, you know, eight, 10 miles a day, every single day, but they hit thousands of thousands of golfers. Anyone who listens to your show gets a sense of how many swings they make just when they're practicing. So just to get ready for the tournament, you got to put in a lot of work. It's not like Tiger just gets out of bed, shakes off the hangover, and he's he's on the first tee with three minutes to go before his tee time, and all of a sudden he's out there playing at the players. You know they got to put in work so they don't embarrass themselves. And I just don't think I just don't think Tiger can physically do it, unfortunately. Yet, so I I think we're going to see more withdrawals. I don't think he'll walk away just yet. It's it, it's too prosperous for him, and it's it everybody still wants him to do it. But I think what we saw with the withdrawal was probably going to
3: be. Just before I let you go, remind our listeners again how can they can stay up to date with you whether it's on newengland.golf or somewhere on social media as well.
4: I haven't actually published any golf articles at newengland.golf yet, so if you go there like today, you're not going to find my name. But like I said, I've been re- reviewing uh, Cape Cod courses all of the last year. Uh, so I'm going to be publishing 10 or 15 courses over the next probably month to two months. The course over Aurora International from Anguilla. I'm going to be publishing that one hopefully in the next week or so. Um, so that's going to be soon. New England Duck Golf. There's going to be a lot of, uh, and I'm going to be basically the only Cape Cod guy writing articles about Cape Cod courses. Uh, so I'm going to be doing that. That's probably the best way to get to know the courses and to to find my content. If you just want to get in touch with me, if you want pictures of Anguilla or anything like that, you can always get me on Twitter slash X or whatever Elon Musk has decided to call it now. Uh, at cjmitch73, at cjmitch73, and uh, again, I'll be happy to send anyone pictures of Anguilla or the courses. Um, I take pictures of every course I play when I do the reviews. Obviously, I take notes, but I also take pictures, Um, so if anyone just wants to see some of the pictures, I'll be happy. If you want to reach out to me on Twitter, slash X, would be happy to send you some of the pictures of some of the courses that I've played and the ones that I'm going to be playing here in the not-too-distant future.
3: Chris, thank you so much for taking time away from your vacation, away from the beach and the beautiful weather and everything going on down there. You're fantastic, my friend. I hope we get to catch up a little bit later on, maybe around Masters, maybe around the U.S. Open, and talk a little bit more golf. You're uh, you're fantastic.
4: Oh, Chris, great, great, great talking with you. You've been doing a lot of uh, helping things with me over our podcast over the years. You go out of your way to help me before. Uh, not only is it fun coming on the show, but uh, even if it wasn't fun, I'm more than happy to help you out because you've been you've been great to me. And obviously, you do your show is fantastic. I don't know how how well your listeners realize just how long you've been doing this and how difficult it is to have a show that's as successful as yours. You're not a superstar celebrity, you know. And, <laughs> and usually, that's what the podcast world is. If you have a big name or you create porn on one of these stupid social media sites, like, then you get a following just because of that. But for those out there who actually put in the work, it's extremely difficult to to even get a niche, never mind to be successful. And yet your podcast is ranked highly on the listings across the board all the time. And, and that's really a testament to your efforts, how long you've been putting into this. And and so I'm more than happy to come on here. And if, if there's anything I can do, I'm I'm happy to do it. Cause you were going on my podcast long no one was listening to mine, but you were going on my podcast and talking golf and and picking your uh, your favorite uh, now live golfer as your caddy every single year. So um thanks for having me on. Always be more than happy to come on even that if that means talking to you instead of sitting on a beach.
3: <laughs> I appreciate that very much. Take
4: care my friend. All the best to your family. We'll catch you up soon. You too Chris. Have a great winter. All right, thanks. Take care Chris. You too.
3: That is the great Chris Mitchell, folks, and again, uh, a guy that is just super knowledgeable. I mean, and, and it doesn't matter, and not just golf and and in baseball and football and, and whatever whatever your sport is that you like, Chris knows a lot about it, and just one of the foremost people that knows about the, the game of baseball. He's been on Roto Experts, you know, SB Nation's Baseball dot com. He's been on there, and then obviously his own show as well, a podcast to be named later, and I can't thank him enough for coming off the beach on a beautiful tropical island to be a part of this show tonight. And oh, by the way, it's an hour later over there. So he, he stayed up late to, to come be a part of the show, and I can't thank him enough for that. Hopefully we get that privilege closer to the Masters or the U.S. Open to pick his brain a little bit more, hear a little bit more about his content on newengland.golf, and then see uh, a little bit more about the some of the courses that he mentioned tonight. Chris is fantastic. I'll get him back on the show again soon, folks. All right, folks, it is time for me to put a bow on this edition of Next on the Tee. My sincere thanks again to Tom Patrick, John Kennedy, Martin Chuck, and Chris Mitchell for joining me this week. Kicking off the month of March with me will be the founder of Squares Golf, Bob Winskiewicz, will be back with me. Always fantastic learning about the great things that they are doing over there at Squares Golf. Looking forward to having Bob back as part of the show. I'll also get a return visit from Dr. Bob Winters. He's going to join me once a month this year to help us all improve our mental approach to the game. Very excited to get to have Dr. Bob as a regular here on the show. Following him, one of the top golf course designers in our game, Trip Davis, will make his next On the Tee debut. And then we'll round things out with one of my favorite people on the planet, former Chargers, Vikings, and Giants defensive back and a heck of a great golfer, Vincy Glenn will join me. Always fantastic to spend some time with Ben. So looking forward to next week's show very much. I hope you'll come back and be a part of it with us. Quick reminder that you can find the show available as a podcast just about anywhere you get your podcast content. In particular, we are out there on the Pittsburgh Tribune review site. So just go to triblive.com, click on sports, and then podcast, and you're going to find the show front and center available for you free there. You can also find the show on Good Pods. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Boom, and Player.fm. And as I always say, sincere thanks to the great folks over at Good Pods for making this show one of their recommended podcasts. Please download their free app and stream your favorite podcast right there on your favorite device. But as always, most of all, my sincere thanks to all of you for being the greatest supporters in the history of podcasts. I appreciate you all so very much. Until next week, hit them straight, my friends.
0: Hey, it's Finn, and if you've been listening to 680 for long, you know that I'm a big fan of Audi Atlanta. That's where I got my Audi Q8 e-tron, which I absolutely love. And it's the only dealership I would recommend to my friends and my family. And here's why. For one, Audi Atlanta has a great selection of luxury vehicles. They helped me find the exact SUV I was looking for, and the purchase was super easy. A fully transparent experience catered to me. The same experience they provide all their customers And here's one more reason that makes Audi Atlanta so special. During the month of April, Audi Atlanta will make a donation to Enduring Hearts for every vehicle sold. Thanks to the efforts of Enduring Hearts, children with heart transplants are living longer and healthier lives. Get the Audi you've always wanted while supporting a great cause. To learn more about Enduring Hearts and to view our current specials, visit AudiAtlanta.com to start or complete your entire purchase online. Or shop Audi Atlanta in person, like I did, on Peachtree Boulevard just inside the perimeter. Together, we have the the power to make positive changes that could last a lifetime. The winningest
5: team in baseball also has the most saves and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required. And they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save and save and win.
0: Spring is here and baseball is back. You can't forget the derby. I love the hats.